welcome to the show. You can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You can join us on the phones. You can join us online. Head over to freetalklive.com and enjoy the features we have there for you, including our own social media platform at social.freetalklive.com. We'll tell you more about that probably a little bit later on tonight. Here in the studio, it's Ian. And Chris. Uh, Chris, you just got back last week from the Porcupine Freedom Festival and Fork Fest, and uh, you stayed for uh, both the Porcupine yep. Freedom Festival Ten and days. Fork Fest. Ten days up in the beautiful Rogers Campground, uh, which is, of course, a wonderful place to be. We've been discussing the upcoming Fork Fest, the one that will be happening in 2024, the eighth annual Fork Fest is 2024 and the unofficial dates are now announced so for those of you who are curious about when fork fest might be held next year it looks like it will be june 13th through the 16th and that puts it right in front of as this year uh, we did as well right in front of the porcupine freedom festival it was good too um we had a great turnout Lots really? of yeah, it was. I thought it was. I thought it. I turned, thought it turned out way better than last year. See, I went on the Saturday. But, it was actually my first Fork Fest in three years since uh, we were raided by the FBI in March of 2021. But well, I guess that's two years. But anyway, I couldn't go in 2021. Couldn't go in 2022. So I was able to go up for one day. We went up for the Saturday, which is uh, was Nikki and Matt's wedding. Our co-host Nikki and Matt. So I was kind of there on the big day and oh yeah for uh, sure you know i don't know if i got the a real impression as to what fork fest was like on say friday or thursday which are the first yeah, two days of I, it i would say there i, I want to say there's probably a couple dozen people there on the first day on thursday okay. you know that's the, pretty good the night of um mm-hmm. you know i obviously i think aria showed up earlier and there she was the first one i don't know what time she showed up exactly but it sounded like that i don't know if she was the first one i know she thought she was she but thought there she were was. people you're, talking on right. the chat room that were already cooking things I, and getting I, together yeah i'm pretty sure she probably wasn't the first one um just because there's other people who are there like they're they're diehard camper kind of kind of folks. There's and, people that actually have uh, what they call the park models. These mm-hmm. are people who rent or I think they actually purchase them. They buy the trailers yeah. on the Rogers Campground property. They don't move them. They they just stay there all year long. And you can't live in them all year long because of some you know I guess a lot of people don't want to live in a trailer during the winter time. Number one, but secondly, there's actually a prohibition. In New Hampshire is one of the ways that New Hampshire isn't free uh, is if you run a campground, you actually cannot open during the wintertime. Apparently hmm. that's in the the New Hampshire statutes. No winter camping. Apparently not. Uh, well, I mean, you can go out in the woods and camp if you want. But uh, if you have a campground, you can't be open, as I understand it. Hmm. So uh, so they come in for the essentially the winter and or sorry, the, the summer and the spring months. And uh, they just basically live at Rogers Campground throughout the summertime, which is a pretty cool thing. Like, you know, it's I wish I could do that to some extent. I mean, I can't really because uh, I've got a lot of things I got to do elsewhere. But I do envy those people to be able to wake up and enjoy the the beauty of Rogers Campground every single day. Sure. That must be that must be really nice. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a nice it's a nice place to hang out. I don't know. I I, I will have to say though, ten days of uh, fun is a bit much. I think for most people, most yeah, most of lot. us. Um, yeah. So I don't know if I'd want to do. But you know, well, if it would you, be much more relaxing if you, if you were there have, all summer. Maybe yeah, I'm you, not. I'm not. 
I'm not totally sure if I would feel more relaxed there all summer, but um, you, certainly you'd have to just get work done. You know, I, like that's I I don't know. You wouldn't be able um, to just chill all summer. You gotta you gotta keep busy, or you'd be bored to tears. Well, right. I mean, I guess I I guess that's kind of part of what I'm thinking, yeah. and it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. So it's it is, like yeah. you kind of want to get off the campground once in a while, but right. it's, there's not Where do you that go? much to do like yeah. downtown. There's a couple of restaurants. Yeah, that's but, about it. Yeah. Yeah. True. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but um, certainly it's easier if you have like probably some sort of uh RV maybe or mm-hmm. uh. Uh, one of the I, I don't know if they call them mobile homes they're called they're, park models yeah park park models mm-hmm. um i'm sure those would make it they're basically trailers yeah, you know, just, yeah so they just sit there all the time uh and so anyway um fork fest is happening it's going to be june 13th through the 16th that'll be the basically the weekend before the porcupine freedom festival as i understand it the porcupine freedom festival does have their tickets on sale already and I believe they've raised the price. The pre-purchase price is $100, as I, I've heard. I've not yet made uh, a purchase of the tickets, but I've heard that that's the case. The Porcupine Freedom Festival, I did not hear if they sold out this year or not. I, My understanding was they didn't. Okay. Um, But, you know, I'm not. I believe that. I'm definitely not an official yeah. source, and sometimes things change, but I was right. pretty sure just prior they said they were definitely not going to be selling out. Yeah, because so. I know the previous two years they had sold out well in advance, and I yeah. know that right before... The Porcupine Freedom Festival, at least the week before, they were still selling tickets online. So, so uh, my understanding is that they increased it by like 500, I'm pretty sure they said. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, the I, I don't know exactly what the numbers are. I I, I, I over I, I way overestimated the numbers of tickets, apparently. <laughs> and I got called out on it already. <laughs> so I won't do that again. Uh, yeah. um, but it was, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what they sold. Maybe it was twenty five hundred, and they sold twenty three hundred. Yeah, I'm like hoping that. to find out. I did ask the uh, one of the organizers, Constance, and I just haven't pinged her back to see if she's dug through. She didn't have the numbers at the time when I had asked. It was right after the the festival was done. I'm always curious to see how that is going because it seems like it was too many. Uh, there oh, was yeah. a, a large yeah. demand on the facilities of the campground that apparently resulted in the water being shut off for three days straight, and Apparently, it even affected the people in the hotels, which has never happened before. Normally, you know, the people in the hotel or the motel on the property, they're paying 100 bucks a night or 110 bucks a night. So they kind of expect to have water when maybe if the campground gets shut down, (laughs) you know, you can you can rough it. But the people in the hotels expect to be able to take a shower and they were not able to. So it must have been a must have been a stinky three days there on uh, (laughs) on Rogers campground. And that's that's rough. So I think that is. A testament to the fact that the event, the Porcupine Freedom Festival, has just gotten too big. And I don't know if they're going to make a change uh, on that front next year, but they really ought to. They ought to bring it back down to like 2,000 tickets or whatever, because I think they raised it to like, what, 3,000 or something like that this year? I, you know, I, At least I heard that rumor. I, it wasn't clear to me as mm-hmm. to what they did. I thought they raised it by 500 tickets for two years in a row, yeah. and it was like two. Tw- maybe two thousand and twenty five hundred. Yeah, I thought it went to like twenty five and three thousand. Yeah, um, but I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. Somebody said that that's that that's there's it's nowhere near the the number I thought. But I I did give a number that was probably a thousand over what mm-hmm. it probably was. But right. yeah. Well, I guess we'll see uh, because I think a lot of people aren't going to want to go through that again if that. It, and it was again. it was actually worse. It was actually worse than that because worse the, than three days. Uh, worse than just no water. Uh-huh. In, in that the there was nowhere to go go to the bathroom because oh, the the porta potties oh. that they got well without any bathrooms right. they oh, they filled up and there was nowhere to go. And they couldn't call the truck to. Uh, 
clean them out quick enough. I don't know. Oh, so geez. this is secondhand. I actually didn't try and use the porta potties during those three days. Um, Where did you go? Uh, well, I had a hotel that wasn't on the campground, uh, and I guess I just okay. didn't have to go during the day. I don't know. Um, I guess I got lucky. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not really sure what what happened. Uh, or maybe I went out during. Maybe I went out during the day. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't, a lot of people going down the street to yeah. the restaurants or whatever. Yeah, Jeez. I don't think I did that mostly in the beginning, though. I think so. I'm not sure. I pretty much was on the campground the whole time. This this for the ten days for the most part, um, except for like the first couple of days during Fork Fest where I went off for for dinner. But um, wow. so we lucked out then when Bonnie and I came up to visit. We must have just missed it because we were there on. Well, wait, we were there on Wednesday and Friday. And we didn't have any issues. So when were the three days that they they shut it down? I thought it was like maybe it was off and on. I thought it was like Friday, Saturday, and mm-hmm. Sunday with the three days. But I because we were there Friday and we uh, and did we you, were using a hotel room and the, the water was no problem. Yeah, it was fine. Hmm, so maybe it was maybe it was off and on. I'm wondering if if like the the upper and lower hotels made a difference. Could be. Yeah. So anyway, uh, check out ForkFest.Party if you want to learn more about the upcoming event in 2024. You can get connected with other ForkFest attendees. And uh, it's, you know, look, for, for those of you that don't know what to expect, it's a smaller event. I mean, as you said, Chris, there were a couple dozen people there. Well, that was the first, the first day. day. I mean, as well, the, yeah, but then, you as know, the Nikki days and Matt's wedding happened and there's like 150 people there. So it's hard to really count that day. That's true. Um, that's true. So, you know, somewhere between a couple dozen and 150 was, uh, you know, roughly the, the turnout. <laughs> well, again, the couple dozen was the night of. The following yeah. day on Friday, you know, everybody started coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, by Saturday, like, the I don't want to say the park was full, but it no. it, it definitely seemed like it was pr- pretty full, even though it wasn't full in the same sense that it was on the next Saturday when when Portland when Port was in full session, yeah. I mean, there yeah. obviously weren't two thousand people. I there. think at best you probably are at a tenth uh, the size of the Porcupine Freedom Festival. At yeah. best, yeah. Well, and and there's there's another aspect of this too. In in one of the reasons why it's kind of hard to evaluate is there are people who are going to come up not for fork be- not for Forkfest specifically. Correct. They're but, coming up early for Porkfest. Right. They don't even know that Forkfest exists. Some of those people. Um, are also people who I know of in the past, in past years, they, they were going, they had planned on staying for Fork Fest. And mm. one of the reasons I know they didn't stay for Fork Fest had to do with the fact that they had come up early. And then mm-hmm. by that time Fork Fest be- came around, it was too much. So they, maybe yeah. they stayed for a little bit of Fork Fest, but they didn't stay for all of Fork Fest. And so I think those people are fair to count as being part of Fork Fest because they intentionally came for Fork Fest. But, you know, we wouldn't have seen them last year as an example. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say because ForkFest has no tickets. So there's really no way to know. The only way you really know is if you talk to people and ask them. And somebody was uh, somebody who I think was new to the event this year was posting in the ForkFest chat room last night that he felt like, you know, he didn't know where to go or who people were because it's such a small event by comparison. And it's a big campground. If people are spread out, you don't really know. And if you're not a um, sociable person, mm-hmm. you're going to be feeling like you don't know what's going on. You've got to, you know, you really ought to talk to people. I mean, that's the best way to do it is to just, you see somebody at a campsite say, hey, you're here for Fork Fest? And they'll probably say yes. If they don't, yeah. it's fine. You can meet them too. You know, whatever. Yeah. And but I, if you're just going to walk around and not talk to people, then yeah, it's going to feel, it's going to feel pretty lonely. I, I think, I think to, to some degree, I, this is a complaint that I've, I've heard before. Yes. And I, I yeah. think to some degree, um, we have 
we, we there are people who are I mean, especially for libertarians, we're pretty sociable. But if you're not going to come up and say hi, it you may feel or you see people talking. It's a somewhat of a small group. But, you know, we're being communicative and you don't kind of come up and say hi. You know, you're you may feel you may feel that it's it's not uh you know, it's not we're, we're, you may even feel it we're hostile um, now. I think I feel like I did a decent job of like being friendly to people and talking to people yeah. when they came by. I think you generally do. I mean, I wasn't there for it, but I think you Yeah, I mean, do. I've got I've got two um what is it? uh collapsible camp camp uh what do you, what do you call them? Chairs, I guess. Okay, yeah. And uh you know, right next to the road with a booth and everything with NH exit yeah, and, and your booth you know, was right next to the Free Talk Live booth. Right. So like it should have been pretty obvious that this was a place for Forkfest people to be. Yeah. Um but anyway, you can't, you know, I don't know how awkward socially this this particular individual was, I don't know. but the I don't know. know, the libertarian movement um, is sort of known for having those individuals within it, so just Try to come out of your shell and, and meet people, and that'll help you. And that's one of the things the chat room helps with too. Is you know, if you don't check in with the chat room, you may not know everything or uh, a fraction of what is yep. is going on. Because people do talk and, about, oh, we're going to go out to dinner, and you know, blah, there blah, blah. is there is another aspect of this too. I think, and you you've got ten days here, and mm-hmm. sometimes some people are worn out, so they may not be as friendly as they would be. Yeah, but not on the first weekend. Well, <laughs> you shouldn't be worn out on day I, number I'll, two. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, and there's also some people who are kind of trolly. Um, so there are those people. Yeah. yeah I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta talk to more than one person because if if, if the first person you come across is a troll and they're being kind of uh, mean, uh, you know, that's not that's not the majority of people who are at Fork Fest or Pork Fest. It's that's you know a one off situation. Uh, so if you want to join the show here, you can bring up anything you want. The number is 603-283-6160. I just wanted to mention the, uh, the dates, the unofficial dates, because there are no official dates, because there are no real, like, centralized organizers for Fork Fest. It's just a bunch of people coming to a campground on the same days. So some people will show up earlier. It, it doesn't have to be Thursday the 13th. If you want to spend that whole week at Rogers, then there may still be people there for it. I, I don't know. They're, they're definitely... Uh, Almost certainly probably are um, yeah. just because I mean, I, I can't say exactly when people showed up prior to Thursday, but I'm, some people did. Yeah. But there were definitely people. There's people there. Even now, I think there's still some people. Right. There. Some people do. So, uh, well, of course, there's the park model people that are there all summer. But uh, some people also do what they call Spork Fest, which is uh, happening after the Porcupine Freedom Festival. So if you want to go for the full two weeks, yeah. start on Thursday, June 13th and then go all the way through the 26th. You can, you know. I, I suspect if you if you do go up, if you don't get to know certain people, you're going to feel pretty lonely on the campground. Um, outside, the outside of outside of outside Porkfest Fest and Porkfest. Yeah. But if you get to know people, you know, they're going to be more like neighbors probably. Yeah, I think so. So uh, you can go to ForkFest.party to learn more about that. Last night on the show, we were talking about an article from a group of haters here in New Hampshire. They are called... Granite State Matters. Now, I believe they're related to the group known as uh, Granite State Progress, but I'm not 100% sure about that. I think these guys have a podcast, and they essentially focus in on, at least some, from what I've seen, the Free State Project and how terrible it is now, for New Hampshire. I, I am curious. Is there any connection to like the freaking hate group that, that existed? I'm aware of. No? Okay. So this is a sort of a separate hate group. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the Free Keen hate group was formed almost a decade ago uh, at this point. That was 2014 
when the Free Keen, what are they called? Stop Free Keen, uh, was created. And actually, they came after a previous hate group, which was a little more uh, verbose. Uh, that was Free Keen from the Free Keen Stigma. I think that was probably 2010 or hmm. 2011. Never heard uh, of that one. There's always been people out there hating on the libertarian activists here in New Hampshire because the libertarians here in New Hampshire are actually uh, effective. Yeah, like they, we actually do things. We make the you know we make headlines. People who are in this movement get elected. Uh, we've got a couple, maybe four, four or five dozen people uh, in the state house here in New Hampshire. Something's like I think it's close to four dozen, like fifty, uh, roughly. Free staters are actually in the state house. And so the people who love the the government, the people who love the state, they really take us seriously. And they should, uh, unlike other libertarian movements elsewhere, which barely even qualify as being movements. They're just yep. little political parties that have absolutely no effect on the other 49 states in which they're in. So that's why we get lengthy attack pieces and, ma- you know, hate mailers and, uh, you know, all kinds of just hate from these people because... Well, the Free State Project is a project that is a success. It has successfully attracted thousands of like-minded, liberty-oriented people here to New Hampshire, and uh, and that's what they're mad about. So they were talking about the Porcupine Freedom Festival. They were talking about uh, agorism, just to bring you up to speed here, which they point out that agora is Greek for marketplace. They say that agorism denies that the government has the right to ban, regulate, or tax any consensual exchange of goods or services. They believe they have the right to smuggle people into the country, own prohibited weapons, (laughs) employ children, sell drugs, procure sexual services, and anything else they care to. And they then have photographs of some of the drug tables at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, where this is one of the real highlights to me for me of the festival is being able to I couldn't use any of the drugs because I'm on bail conditions. But uh, but to see somebody just openly selling moonshine, which is not legal (laughs) uh, to see someone selling mushrooms openly like they didn't have it in like a closed box that you had to ask for. No, it's right there on like the picnic table. It was it was like way more than it has been in past years you know in past years you would see people openly selling drugs like down in the um uh down in the bowl basically and you know i've seen that somewhat somewhat you know kind of on the down low but even very public still Mm -hmm. and this year it was like campsites you know they had they had whole fancy setups and things there was one big tent Um, that was like a huge head shop that sold yeah, accessories yep, and yep, actual yep. products. Um, there's, I didn't see this year. I think there was, but um, they, there, there were even miners, I believe, selling alcohol, which I thought. was Oh, I'm glad that came back. Yeah, that was something um, that was known for like a decade ago. Okay, and I, then I, it I didn't kinda, know that. It kind of stopped because I think what happened was the liquor commission came to the campground mm. and threatened Crosby, the owner of the campground, and they said, "If you don't stop this from happening, we're going to take your liquor permit." Because I guess they sell beers or whatever. I know. Yeah, I know it's not. It's not officially permitted by the campground. That's for oh, sure. it's definitely not. Yeah, uh, but, yeah, it's not. But it's they not, can't really stop it. You know. Yeah, yeah. But I think at that time it kind of cooled off for a little while. Like the Free State Project said, "Hey, can you can you cut it out or something like that?" And it kind of stopped for some number of years. But I'm glad to hear it's back. So let me resume this story here. They get into what they say is the history of Porkfest. And the Free State Project. So let's see what they get what they get right. Because a lot of the time, these haters actually are pretty good at researching. They spend a lot of time. They put a lot of effort into doing these uh, pieces. However, they got a major uh, 
they got a major point wrong earlier, which we read last night, where they say that Ian Freeman, that's me, is currently serving 10 years in prison and that I where wasn't... Where did they get the 10 years from? And that I wasn't at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know... They're maybe, just making stuff up. Maybe they need to do a little better research, but here we go. So they say the first Pork Fest was in 2003, the year Jason Sorens and his followers voted on which state they should move to. And I'll tell you this, when I voted, I was in the, the group of people that did vote on the state and i did choose new hampshire as the number one uh choice it was a what they call a condorcet ranked choice method that was the type of voting that we did uh so there were 10 different options 10 different states all of them were low population states and new hampshire blew away the rest of the competition Mm. each each state actually had its own advocates right like there's people that live in those states that wanted people to come to their state so they didn't have to move (laughs) And so they all wrote up their own pitch, essentially, to, uh, and it was all printed up in like a 40-page binded document that they sent out to, to people, and then you could read through each state's pitch and decide which ones you wanted to vote for. Uh, and so New Hampshire won overwhelmingly. But they they use the term followers here, and it's like, I didn't know who Jason Sorens was <laughs> from, you know, Adam at the time. I mean, I think I had heard that he was the founder of the project, so like I knew the name but he wasn't someone who I was familiar with. I yeah. certainly had never read any of his whatever writings he might have had at the time. You know, it's 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 kind of interesting. I, I I so I wasn't around. I don't know. You know what was happening. I mean, I was aware because I think it hit Slashdot at the time. Really um, that early? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, hit, it hit it, and I never heard of it again actually until two thousand and like fourteen or oh, 15. wow. Um, of course, then I moved once I realized it was a real thing. Like, it was actually happening, or it had already happened, and I totally missed it. Um, but, um, yeah, like, I, I don't know. It's like, I, so I don't know what, what happened. Ex- I mean, obviously, I, I know what people tell me and what I read about. But I, th- I feel like sometimes, you know, people get, like, this wrong perspective of things. And I guess it's, it's not even really just the Free State Project I'm thinking of. Like, there's other movements. And they get this impression that, like, certain people had, like, a bigger impact than I think they necessarily did. Um, Jason Sorens is kind of an example of that. Um, not to say he didn't have any impact. His essay was very important, but... Well, I mean, he is the founder of the project, right, so I mean, there's right. no doubt he deserves a lot of credit. On the other hand, he didn't move here until, like, right. several years ago. Well, that's exactly the point yeah. that I'm making, right? There's other... There are a lot of other people who, who made people it who actually happen. On the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More coming up here. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In addition to being one of the world's first cryptocurrencies, Dash was the first crypto project to have a decentralized autonomous organization that to this day continues to improve and promote Dash. Every month, 10% of the mining rewards go into a treasury. Anyone with one Dash to spend can put forward a proposal to the Dash masternodes to vote on. The masternodes vet the proposals and decide which ones move forward and are funded by the Treasury. In fact, that's exactly how we got this sponsorship. Nowadays, DAOs are plentiful, but Dash paved the way by doing it first, nearly a decade ago. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. Down on crypto here, and some countries are welcoming towards people. Yeah! Whoops. <laughs> uh, that was a little confusing. Sorry for that. We were looking through some of the Free Talk Live archives. 
and so that's what you heard there as we were just coming back in from the break uh, was there was the archive from two nights ago or last night was was playing just I didn't realize it at the time so that's why it didn't make any sense when we were coming back from break because you heard me talking about and, and then it got cut off anyway what we were looking for was to see what the topics were that were being discussed on Wednesday night because apparently YouTube has decided to give us a strike, which they do from time to time for saying things that are against whatever the mainstream views are. Let's see. Uh, this was the 5th. So that was Wednesday. Uh, it was Bonnie and Nikki and myself on the show. Oh, yep. Yeah, we did talk about COVID. <laughs> so because we talked about COVID, the channel has been struck for so-called medical misinformation. And, and the funny thing about this is, it, correct me if I'm wrong here, but isn't Nikki a nurse? She is. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> so they're striking, they're striking a show where there's an actual medical professional on the show. Yes, that's what be, they did. Simply because they're, you guys were talking about something medical. She has an opinion that yeah. is not with the uh, the mainstream view on that. And so... Uh, we're we're banned off of streaming from YouTube for at least seven days. We may or may not resume streaming after that because, you know, it's risky. If they hit us with three strikes, then the channel will just be deleted and there will be no opportunity to, you know, appeal those deletions or anything like that. So we could stream, start streaming seven days from now, but the strike doesn't drop off seven days from now. The strike drops off in October. So the safest route would be to... Just stop streaming entirely on YouTube until October, and then the one strike that's on the channel would be wiped away at that point. But, you know, that's three months from now. So, I don't know. I don't really... There, I, is, there is another solution, right? Well, this other solution is people shouldn't watch us on YouTube at all. And, and there's should, how many other ways to watch Free Talk Live? There's almost a dozen other <laughs> video streaming platforms that we're on. So, But thanks to one of our uh, users on Odyssey for giving us the heads up about this. Uh, we uh, we appreciate that. I, I wouldn't know. I pay zero attention to YouTube. So mm-hmm. just one of our Odyssey chatters happened to be in there and said, oh, yeah, by the way, you guys aren't on YouTube. Oh, and so I went, I looked and found out that, yep, they, they did indeed strike the channel. How do you find out about that? Do they send you an email? Or? I think they send me an email with that. I don't check that email address. Oh, so, okay. Um, so, yeah, you would have to just notice that you're not on the channel. And mm. then if you log in, then it pops up a notice saying, we caught you. Shame on you. <laughs> and, you know, bad boy. So, anyway, you want to comment, you can join the show here. Sarah's on the line in New Mexico. Go ahead, Sarah. Oh yeah. Huh? yeah. Um. So hey, but I was gonna say that your show is really popular. You you're streaming live on how many? Um, oh no no no! The- Don't be confused. Just because we're streaming <laughs> on a dozen different platforms doesn't mean that we're actually popular. <laughs> uh, many of these platforms we have zero to one viewers. So and, and you, oh, oh, something okay. something else you should know is just because there, you have a lot of uh, people watching or viewing your content doesn't mean you're popular either. You actually hmm. get more uh, people listening, at least people listening longer who hate your content than people who like your content. Like like stati- I forget That's where true. that statistic came from, but there's there's some statistic somewhere that, that shows that. Yeah. Right okay, now well, we have a grand total of 14 viewers on our number one platform, which is Odyssey at 
uh, watch.freetalklive.com. You can tune in there, and that's where that's where the one that we pay attention to. The chat room will actually see your comments if you make them in there, and that is not a lot of people no. at all. But we appreciate all fourteen of you. But keeping this in context, 14. this is primarily a radio show, and it's on a lot of stations. So that is oh, true. Oh yeah, wonderful. Yeah, you are being oh, heard you. on perhaps as many as uh, dozens of radio stations tonight. Oh, okay. A dozen across the country. So, um, what's the according? How many people do you think are listening on the radio right now? It's hard to say. Uh, different stations take the show at different times. We have maybe like six dozen or five or six dozen stations that air our weekday show. Uh, we have a lot more that air our weekend shows. But uh, they air it at different times. So some stations take just our third hour on weeknights because they have like a one-hour block where they need some content between one show and another show. So they just take that one hour. Some stations take all three hours, all seven nights a week. So we have the we have the whole range from like there's one station that takes our Sunday show one hour, and that's it. And then there's some stations that take all three hours a night, seven nights a week. So, I mean, we have the whole range of... Uh, of stations that take us so if you want to go and learn more about it you can go to our affiliates page at affiliates.freetalklive.com and i am very very like on top of that page i always want to make sure that it is accurate as it possibly can be so hopefully it's pretty close to the real situation with our roughly 170 something radio stations that shows you where they are what cities you know what times that the the show is aired some some stations don't air the show live they do what they call in the business a delay broadcast, so they re- record our show when it is live, and then they might play it back in the middle of the night, uh, for instance. So, uh, wow, that's really awesome because I, I just wanted to bring up that we had that care thing for the Fourth of July. The what thing? That whole care thing? Care, it's called the care care um, traffic patrol for the Fourth of July. What's that mean? So it's called a combined um, accident reduction effort. I think that's what it stands for. Oh boy. So they caught 30, um, 30 DWI uh, drivers, and there were 67 crashes from June like 26th to um, July 4th. How did they catch those and, people? Was it a checkpoint, or were they just pulling people over who looked like they might have been drunk? Yeah, roving patrols. Well, you know, I, I do not know the details, but they gave out 3,000 traffic tickets for one. Oh, my Lord. In how, in how many days? 3,000 tickets? Yeah, 3,000 tickets. So 120 of them were seatbelt. No, no, but how many days was were, this? You said it was June something? I, I think it was June 27th or something like that. Maybe like five, wait, five or six day window. Because that's Whoa. when they all. And this is all in Albuquerque? Uh, I think state of New Mexico. Oh, the whole state. Still, that is a lot, a lot of, of tickets. tickets. I mean, we're talking about right, 600 most- tickets a day. This is a major fundraising exercise on the part, because uh, it's not keeping people safe. I know that no. you want to believe that, Sarah. All it's doing is it's just bringing revenue into the state police or the local policing agencies. That's all it's doing. Well, that's the, you know, my uh, my view is that there were 67 crashes and Six of those were fatal. So mm-hmm. out of that, six six of the crashes winded up in people dying. Mm-hmm. And so I think it is uh, um, so to me, I mean, you you probably um, are, are just 
you're not afraid of cars like I am. So we have a different perspective. Oh, no, I, I definitely do not want to get hit by a car. <laughs> I mean, I don't live in fear of them, but there are certain things that you can do to reduce the likelihood that you're going to be hit by a car, like paying attention when you cross the street and looking both ways. I mean, my parents taught me this when I was a small child. <laughs> uh, you know, they, you know, The ball runs out and the, the ball rolls out right? in the street when the kids are playing in the front lawn and your parents teach you to look both ways, not once, but twice. You know, make sure that there's no cars coming. Yeah. These are basic childhood things that you learn, Sarah, and that way you don't have to be afraid of the cars. You understand that they are a threat, and you treat them accordingly. Well, so the, the, these wrecks are involving uh, cars. So that just because you're driving a car, you're not safe. You get T-boned by a red light violator, you get, you know, hurt and sometimes killed. So six of these uh, got in... Well, oh, but, there is a risk uh, involved of you know, uh, driving Sarah, to work. There, there is a there's a risk to living, right? That's right. Like, I mean, it's I I understand. Like, obviously, nobody wants to be like have their life be put in danger. But the reality is, there is a certain amount of risk every single day that you get up, and some of those risky places are things like getting in a shower, slip and falls, uh, you know, in the, in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. That's some of the riskiest. You're more likely to get encounters. hurt in your own home. That's true. right. Right. I mean, it's it's it's. It's not, you know, cars are cars are potentially dangerous, um, but we don't stop showering or stop using the bathroom because we might slip and fall and die um, or we don't. Please we don't, don't stop, stop showering. Yeah. I, right. Like we don't <laughs> stop. We shouldn't stop driving. Uh, I mean, think about what would happen economically. We'd be we'd be we'd starve to death. I mean, yeah, if, 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 if people didn't go out and use their tractors to plow the fields and people didn't, you know, drive the, the trucks to get to, to the, get the food to, to the get market. to the food to the grocery yeah. store and you didn't go to the grocery store. I mean, you would die of starvation. Well, you do have the ability to hire someone else these days to do your shopping for you well, and that, then drive that, the food that might to be your home. Assuming assuming that we don't outlaw driving. I yeah. mean, <laughs> So you could avoid driving in order to but acquire the food, the but ultimate, somebody has to drive it right. to get it there. Ultimately, the point is you can't make you can't make you wouldn't want to make us perfectly safe because no, perfect be safety has boring. a more is more is potentially more damaging and dangerous than being mm-hmm. less safe. In, yeah. in, in, you know, in quotes, I, I'll, that's I'll a great that. point. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah, for the call tonight. I appreciate it. The number here is 603-283-6160. And life would just be so boring if everything was maximum safety all the time. You've got to wear the helmet. You've got to put on the knee pads. You've got, you know, all the different things right? that they try to do to round off all the corners and make life so bland and uninteresting and so un you know uh, so so unrisky or so safe i mean we've talked a lot about this uh there's a new term that i learned to describe it called safetyism is the obsession yeah. with being safe over anything else and we saw this really take hold of people i mean it's been growing for decades Oh, yeah. uh, but it really took hold of people in a way that i'd never seen during covid where people were just going overboard into insanity uh, with just being super, super safe and super paranoid. And I I got so sick, and you still hear it from time to time, like if you call a corporate uh, phone line Mm. for getting, you know, some sort of customer assistance, it's like they're they're told to end the call with, be safe. Really? And you never heard that? Oh, I've heard uh, it so many times. Be safe. Be um, safe. I, I feel like I may have heard that. It's but the parting statement. It's like the sort of official where, parting statement for people. I, 
I yeah, where where would you have heard that? Um, on uh, like every corporate phone line that I've ever s- spoken with in the last three years. They ended with be safe. Be safe. Mm-hmm. I've I've heard it huh. so many times, and uh, it, it it is the COVID parting you know statement, right? Like that's what people say under this safetyism viewpoint of that is the way to say goodbye to somebody now is to tell them yeah, to be okay. safe. Okay, yeah. You know what? I think I think I've heard this, but I don't know if I, I don't necessarily know if I've heard this with a like a corporate phone line that oh, you yeah. call. Like I like are we talking about like like to pay a bill or something like yeah, that? Yeah, any old phone line huh. where you actually have a human being talking to you. I tell you, man, it happens more often than than not. I I do uh, pay a couple of bills like via phone still, um, but I don't know if I've heard that with the ones that I'm using, or maybe mm. I just hang up before. Maybe, yeah, maybe you just hang up. Yeah, or maybe I'm hanging you just up didn't beforehand. Register before they, with you. Yeah, it but could for be me, that too. It registers with me because it it just rubs me the wrong way, and uh, I and I I'm sorry. Safety is overrated. Oh, it, definitely, it really is. Uh, if you want to have an interesting life, then you should take some risks. I mean, you cannot get anywhere in life generally without being willing to take some risks, mm-hmm. you know, whether it whether it be a simple risk of asking somebody out on a date. Right. You're risking yeah. you're risking them telling, you no. you know, you're risking potentially them hurting your you know, your feelings getting hurt because they didn't like you or whatever. Right. Like that's that's a small risk. Uh, and then there's larger risks of like investing in a business. Oh yeah, uh, for instance, and you know, which could potentially fail and financially ruin you or whatever, right? Like there's all kinds of different risks to take. But if you take the safe road every single time, you will just be hiding in your mom's basement at age 45, and <laughs> you'll have never achieved anything in your life besides getting you know some video game points yeah. or whatever, uh, and that's it. I mean, that's what you take to the grave. It, it's funny how much I can relate to this. Sure, I, well, I, you're you're an entrepreneur. I, I'm an entrepreneur, and I like I've actually had people tell me I should, we should stop selling laptops, and like that's like it doesn't make us a lot of money, but it, it's like it's the core part of the business, mm. like. What what do you mean? Stop selling laptops? Like you're crazy. Yeah, it's like, but people don't. And it's funny. It's like people are so afraid. You know, they're so afraid. Well, what if the laptops don't sell out and you have all this extra inventory? Well, let's be honest. Sometimes that kind of thing does happen mm-hmm. when you when you you overstock a product, mm-hmm. lower um, the price, and you sell off the the stock. Sometimes it takes longer to sell out. Sometimes you'll mm-hmm. never sell out. Sometimes you'll lose money on it. But you can't not invest. You can't not keep your business going, right? Like you got to keep doing. Certain Who are these things. naysayers? Are uh, these friends friends of yours? I'll leave out the or one just randos. A, that... a particular person I'm thinking of. At the okay, moment. but um, but no, um, no, but no. I, I I completely understand. Are they people who've run their own business before? People who should not run their own business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's put it that mm-hmm. way. Yeah, I suspect they have not. Right, like they don't know. They, they don't wouldn't understand. have a clue. Yeah. Uh, so you want to comment? You can here. The number is six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. Let's get back into the story here from the group, the hate group, one of the hate groups, because there's multiple hate groups of the Free State Project here. This group is called Granite State Matters. They're doing what they say is a history of the Porcupine Freedom Festival and the Free State Project. They say that they chose New Hampshire for three reasons: its motto, "Live free or die." its state constitution that permits revolution, and its small population with an enormous 400-person legislature of volunteers. Okay, that is not correct. Those were three of 101 reasons why people chose New Hampshire. When the vote happened for the Free State Project, which I was explaining to you earlier, Chris, they had a, a pitch sheet basically for all 10 states that were trying to get votes. 
And New Hampshire's was the most well-researched, the most persuasive, and that's because they came up with 101 reasons why people should choose New Hampshire over the other nine options with the, with the Free State Project. And ever since, that thing has been sort of a, a centerpiece of the Free State Project. They made a documentary film about it in 2014 where they took this text list and they turned it into an hour-long documentary. That, by the way, is due to be updated hopefully within the next year or so, as I understand it. I don't know what the current timetable is, but Justin O'Donnell, who's a Free Stater mover from Massachusetts, he took this project on. He wrote a book uh, updating the 101 reasons because this is an old document it goes back to 2002 roughly or 2003 when the vote happened and so it's been around for 20 years at uh, at this point so it's a little out of date i mean there's more reasons now than there was before and some of the reasons that were there then have sort of changed and shifted over the years so justin took the time to go through the 101 reasons and add some fresh reasons to it and you know cited all his sources and all that and he wrote a really a uh, really great book, and it's uh, and it's a long title, so I can't remember what <laughs> what it is. But if you go to if you go to one hundred one reasonsfilm dot com, there is actually a link to the new version of that book. There, it's actually a book now instead of just a PDF. You can actually physically have uh, a copy of this. It's very well done. I, I like it. And they're going to take that new book and turn it into a new documentary film with the new. 101 reasons so to say that it was only three reasons why people chose new hampshire no is yeah. was a myriad i, I mean reasons. i i definitely would say i think they've chosen uh the, the i don't know well i can't say why people chose new hampshire but i can say why i think it was a great idea to choose new hampshire mm-hmm. um and there's like there's a couple of them or, or quite a few of them actually but like at least a handful of them that i thought were really great like the population density uh mm-hmm. the concentration um uh, the 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 population number like not having too many people because you have to be able right. to get enough people. Well, that was true um, with all economic of the opportunities. The te- all of the ten states for the Free State Project had low population. In fact, that was the number one filter sure. as to why Soren's pick, the founder of the Free State sure. Project, he chose those ten states because they were less than I think one point five million in population. Yeah, um, but but also like geography, um, mm-hmm. like just as an example, like. It has two international borders. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm not even thinking that so much, but um, just like for example, it's it's in a populated region, mm-hmm. which can help when it comes to jobs and things of that. That's nature. true. You could um, work outside of New Hampshire if you needed to, like in Boston. Right. Or I mean, something. try doing that with Yuck. Wyoming. I mean, yeah, that's um, true. You know, and that's a good point. As far as like distance from the state house, you know, um, yeah. things like that. The you small can actually, size of New Hampshire is a big one. Right. You can actually get involved politically. I, I, I mean, honestly, like I didn't have the opportunity to vote because. I wasn't even aware before the mm-hmm. vote. I, I wasn't aware until I think you were still in college, weren't you? I, I wasn't. Let's see, 2003, I graduated high school, so I I didn't okay, find yeah. out about it until I guess I didn't find out about it until the vote happened. Um, that is the one that I must have seen on mm-hmm. Slashdot. Not so I didn't know about it until then. But um, even then, it wasn't it wasn't really a thing yet. You know, people hadn't moved. Uh, yeah. well, I mean, I guess there had been a few people who moved before the vote occurred, but. <laughs> Yeah. Well, they're right here. I mean, the, the the three things they did point out: the "live for your dime" and it is a great motto, uh, and it, it does speak to the mindset of a lot of the New Hampshire natives that that New Hampshire natives tend to have this sort of freedom friendly mindset. Whether they are libertarians or would describe themselves in that way is another question. But they're sort of born and raised in this "live for your dime" mentality, and that's a good thing. So, I mean, there's no doubt that these are three good reasons. And the 400-person legislature, that was definitely on the list of 101 reasons. And this goes into what you're talking about, Chris, where the numbers make sense. 
when you look at New Hampshire, the small size of the state, the relatively low population, and this large 400-person legislature in the state representatives. Now, there's only 24 senators, but 400 state reps means that you've got, as they point out here, roughly one state rep per approximately 3,000 population. So these are it's a very representative system here. Obviously, I don't still believe that these people represent me, but, you know, it's better than a state <laughs> where you have one representative per 100,000 population. And those states do exist. Yeah. I, you know, it's it's interesting, um, you know, saying that they don't represent me in, in that. I, I, I mean, obviously, to some degree, that's a true statement, but I feel like that's probably less true here in New Hampshire than you than anywhere. Like, I, I think that's more true anywhere else. Like, I, I certainly think, uh, you know, certain people like... Um, Oh, um, I think some of our good reps. Um, uh, I want to say Jason. Um, who are who are some of our reps? Uh, oh, there's a ton, there's like uh, fifty of them. Jason Gerhard is yeah, a Jason new, new one. I think Jason Gerhard Matt is a, a great example. Uh, yeah, Matt Santon Stasso. Who is a hundred percent on the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance rating. So Matt Santon yeah, Stasso yeah. is literally the most perfect libertarian rep that yeah. you could uh, you could imagine and he's a you know he ran as a republican to get elected he led the charge for independence uh with the secession bill a year ago and hopefully he's going to do that again coming up at the end of this year so there's a whole different story here when you talk about being able to access the system the mm. system's terrible it's still hurting people it's still a state it's still violent it's still you know awful the government schools still suck they're still really expensive but you have the ability to actually talk to state representatives here these people come around they come to our events in a lot of cases they're frequently seen at free state project uh, events and such and there's and and you know these these people in a lot of cases these these are people who you've in in many cases you've known them before they got elected to the free to the uh, the state rep seats so then after they're elected they're even more approachable because they already know you right but even if you don't know a state representative they're all they're all very approachable they're in many cases home phone numbers and cell phone numbers are listed publicly on the state website so you can just pick up the phone and reach out to any of the state reps whether they be free staters or democrats or just normal republicans or whatever it's just the the level of sort of down-to-earthness of these people is unprecedented when it comes to to politicians they don't have staff okay that's another key difference there's not some secretary yeah. sitting in between you and the state representative what do you remember the number it was i think somebody somebody was talking about 3300 and and and, and so i think it was a california rep thought it was like 330,000 or something like as far oh. as the number of people they represent hmm yeah. it, it was some insane couldn't understand it like yeah it, like they couldn't even comprehend right. how few people one one of our house reps represented yeah you literally are going to likely run into your quote-unquote state rep the one that is your representative quote-unquote for your area so ours in this case lives down the street from us here <laughs> uh so you're probably gonna see her at the grocery store you know you're probably gonna see her walking around the neighborhood that kind of thing uh, you don't get that any anywhere else. I mean, that that level of connectedness with these people. And so being able to connect with them means that you, in theory, have the potential to persuade them. If they don't already agree with you, and again, many of these state reps do, but if they're against, uh, against you on some issue, you at the very least can speak to that individual and you can try to change their mind. In some cases, you might actually be successful. In other cases, you might have to run against them to, uh, mm -hmm. to take them out the next time.
So they point out here that 20,000 people signed a pact saying they wanted to move to New Hampshire and the Free State Project was underway. And it did take some time, unfortunately, to make that happen. It would have been nice if the uh, New Hampshire was chosen and then the the rate of signups continued the way it was because before the vote happened in 2003 people were signing up like gangbusters there were a ton of people signing up for the free state project and they got to 5,000 members really quick and then they had the vote and the sign up rate just dropped off the radar Mm. and so soren's the founder jason soren's admitted later he probably screwed up he probably should have had the vote at 20,000 and then the the rate of signups would have just gone crazy to to 20,000 and it would have gone a little different. Anyway, uh, hour number two is coming up. You can join us on Free Talk Live. Hi, I'm Derek J. I don't want a politician to represent me. To me, government is the idea that one group of people can coerce everyone to comply with an edict or face increasing punishments up to and including death. Despite perhaps the most noble of intentions, the best government services are a far cry from what could be provided for by voluntary interactions. Besides, the people who call themselves the government wage wars and put peaceful people in jail for crimes involving no victims. If Starbucks used some of its money to drop bombs, I wouldn't shop there. So why would I support the American empire? The Empire does not require my consent. Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree. You can order your copy of the Director's Cut DVD now at VictimlessCrimeSpree.com. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Join the show here if you want. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And I want to say thank you to the good folks in our Odyssey chat room for keeping me informed. I would have had no idea that the screen was frozen on our cams because <laughs> I'm not actually watching. It's like the monitor is behind me. I don't know. Chris, if you ever look over there, but uh, we fixed, I fixed the problem already, but the screen was you, like, you were just kind of looking up in the air permanently and not moving at all. So, <laughs> so it's been fixed now. Uh, so thank you. Definitely don't want my ugly mug up there. <laughs> thank you to uh, the person who is normally quite a critic, uh, but I appreciate the heads up on that. Uh, you can join us online anytime you want. Just head over to freetalklive.com. We have a, a lot of different features there. They are free for you. And uh, it's thanks to good people like the people over at the Dash Decentralized Autonomous Organization who are backing up this show. Dash is one of our uh, sponsors. In fact, they are essentially an hour-long uh, sponsor here. They uh, they lock in the exclusive sponsorship for this hour. Dash is digital cash. It is a cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. You'll find a lot of people at places like the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which we've been discussing, that accept Dash as payment for various different services. I know Bonnie had purchased, I think it was uh, tea from uh, the Liberty stand that uh, was there at Porkfest. Very, very popular place. She used Dash to make that payment. 
and uh, Dash has a bunch of cool things that you can do, but my, but primarily you can spend it. That is the the main reason to get into Dash. If you are like a lot of us on this show and you value the idea of cryptocurrency to actually use it instead of to just look at it or think about it or hold on to it and study it. Now, the idea, at least according to Satoshi Nakamoto's white paper uh, what that uh, he or she or whoever that person is released in 2009 about Bitcoin is peer-to-peer digital cash. And that is why Dash has kept to that vision for so long. In fact, they are one of the oldest cryptocurrencies. And uh, they've got some great features that make them, in my opinion, undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. Because from a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible and its network is protected from the dreaded 51% attack by their chain locks technology. So there's no need to wait for confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete. It's great for merchants. It's one of the oldest cryptocurrencies out there. It's widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get, and it's easy to use Dash. You can start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks, by the way, to the Dash Decentralized Autonomous Organization for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. You can visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. That is Dash.org. So we're talking about uh, the Free State Project here, reading from what is ultimately a hit piece uh, by a group called Granite State Matters, and just kind of you know tearing it apart bit by bit, seeing what they got wrong and and what they got right about the Free State Project. Which, for listeners that don't know, is what Chris? How do you define? The Free State Project. Oh, it's let's see. Uh, so it's an effort to move twenty thousand people to New Hampshire to, or to with the goal of working towards creating a society uh, that is free, basically. Um, yeah, liberty in our lifetime, yeah. hopefully. Although the, I think they wiped the twenty thousand number away at some point in the recent years. You can't find it on their website, oh, but that was the original goal. They did reach that goal. They did find right. twenty thousand people who were willing to pledge together, essentially saying, if nineteen thousand nine hundred ninety nine other people are willing to move to New Hampshire for more freedom, to get active for freedom in our lifetime, then I am too. That was essentially what the the pledge was or that they would work towards the maximum role of government being the redu- uh, the lowest something or other. I don't know. I don't remember what it was. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have the quote yeah. <laughs> memorized, um, but there is it is actually something that is handy to quote every once in a oh, while. It was the protection of life, liberty and, pro- and property. Yeah. That was what yeah. the maximum role of government should be. So they, they reached that 20,000 goal. That was actually back in 2016. And that's what we were just talking about is like why it took so long because they they'd hit the 5,000. The first 5,000 came within two years and then they held the vote. So the plan was once they hit 5,000, they were going to have a vote and the numbers were just coming in like crazy. I remember at that time it was very exciting. And then the vote happened and it just fell right off a cliff. The recruiting numbers just went down to next to zero. Uh, and it was very, very, very slow going. I guess there was a lot of excitement about the vote, right? Like there might have been a lot of people that Talking were in favor it. of one state or yep. another or whatever. And then as soon as New Hampshire was chosen, which it won overwhelmingly, it wasn't like it was some close call or whatever. New Hampshire blew the other states out of the water. So you would think that it wouldn't have really dampened the excitement so much. But for whatever reason, the excitement just kind of just went went away. And yeah. it took another 13 years from that point to get the extra 15,000 signers to reach that 20,000 goal, which then did what they call trigger the move, 
even though we were moving before that. Yeah, you know, one of the things I, I, I've always felt like the people who are – I, how do I say it? It's the people who I feel like deserve a ton of credit was all the people who moved before the 20,000 number was reached. Yeah. I think there's um, a couple thousand people that moved before then. Yeah. I, I I mean, I just give those people so much credit because yeah, they really did lay a, an important groundwork. For yeah. People. I mean, without those people, it's like, okay, it's easy to sign a pledge, but yeah. is anybody actually going to move? A lot of people would never have come. I agree with yeah. you because uh, there would have been nothing to come to. I, I certainly wouldn't have yeah. moved. I mean, well, why move for something that, you know, is just a, it's, it's a, a fiction, theoretical right? thing. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It, they've, they proved those people who moved early proved yeah. that yeah it's a real thing it can work and it yeah and exactly it was working before the twenty thousand reached and i moved uh technically just at, i probably was one of the i was probably the first maybe even the first mover post the twenty thousand signatures mm-hmm. being reached because i'd already had a house that uh i was i had to, i had to wait a month and a half to, to close on my house okay so and they, they hit the they hit the number while you were waiting on the closure basically yeah it basically. was like it was like the day after or oh, something wow. like or it was it was so close to basically the them hitting twenty thousand is yeah, <laughs> it seems it seems fair. I'll let you claim that one, Chris. That's a good that's a good one to claim. I, I mean, I technically don't know if there was somebody else who also happened to move that same day or that couple of days, but you know, it wasn't like there were. A lot, I mean, there's a lot of people moving, but it's like what I think it was probably two three hundred a year at that point. So yeah, I don't even it, know. It wouldn't be surprising if if uh, if we were the first. I bet you it would be two or less than two hundred a year. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, there's a really good chance that. We may have been the first movers post. But recently, those numbers have gone up quite a bit. There yes. was over a thousand. I think it was eleven hundred movers really? in twenty twenty one. Wow, yeah, six hundred in twenty twenty two. Wow, yeah, yeah. I record mean, record numbers. I know. I I knew that they had been record numbers of movers. Like we keep hitting new records, as, yeah. like every year. Um, since I basically moved, I think. Well, um, well it went but, down in twenty twenty two. So did it, it hit a new record in twenty twenty one, which was okay. eleven hundred, and that was more than like the last most of the last decade combined. Right. And that was due to COVID because sure. people got, uh, they finally got it through their heads that there's a real problem out there with the government and that something needed to be done. And they said to themselves, oh, there is that free state project thing. Maybe I should take this seriously. And a lot of them did. And I would have loved it to have been 1,500 in 2022, but it went down to 600 according to the speech that Jeremy Kaufman gave at the Liberty Forum this year. But still, 600 is nothing to be ashamed of. That's, you know, almost oh, two people per still day. twice what it right? was, you yeah. know, probably back when, I mean, around the time I moved. So, yep. All right. So let me continue here. Uh, this is more from the hit piece over at the Granite State Matters email list that got, this is where this got sent out to. Free staters became realtors, stylists, lawyers, crypto dealers, and most of all, politicians. They found that some New Hampshire residents and legislators also shared their views. Together, these formed the Liberty Alliance, and they're referring to the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance at nhliberty.org, I believe. They do some really awesome work. We've talked a lot about them over the years. They... Uh, they rate the state reps. They give them a, a report card basically every single year. I think they also rate the state senators, and they judge them based on how they vote on certain liberty key issues. And so those are very, very useful things. They also rate the bills. So when the bills get filed, there's a few dozen volunteers for the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance that actually try to read all 800 to 1,000 bills every single year. It's an incredible Herculean task that you have to be, you really have to love reading legalese. Oh, yeah. Uh, to, 
I don't know do how this. Zephin does it. <laughs> Zephin's the number one guy. He's uh, he's like number one by far. Oh, is he? But... I didn't know he was number one. I just knew. Oh, he was, yeah. 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 I mean, and this time. is this is the interesting thing too. Like you know, people don't have to necessarily be politicians. And the other right. thing is, you get to talk to and meet these people like Zephin. Like he's not somebody who's impossible to meet, but oh, yeah, he also has. He he also has a huge influence on you know, the the reps here. So sure. there's definitely things you can do that don't involve even outside of New Hampshire. Even if you haven't moved yes. yet, you can get involved. That's a in great that. point. The, the yeah. New Hampshire Liberty Alliance would be happy to have anyone who loves freedom, who wants to help what we're doing here, work on reading and rating these bills because Zephan can't do it all, no. and uh, and the, the rest of the people combined, I don't even think hit the number that Zephan does. So he <laughs> he comes close, but uh, it's a lot of work. So anyway, uh, they have another group called the House Freedom Caucus. These are state representatives who have formed a caucus called the House Freedom Caucus. There's also uh, they don't mention this here, but there's also a nullification caucus that got formed, I believe, this year. The uh, many free staters have successfully a- attained local offices as well on social media and at the annual Porkfest event. Newcomers or soon-to-be movers are advised to join library boards and other volunteer positions that builds name recognition before they run for higher office. That's all true. That's that's pretty uh, pretty accurate. Uh, pretending next section is called pretending to be Republicans. Like many other extremists, <laughs> Free State Project candidates often hide their true affiliation. Ballots for local office in New Hampshire do not list party. What they're referring to there is like uh, mayor or city council or town selectmen. That's those are nonpartisan elections. If you're running for a state rep, then that does it's, list your party. It's so disingenuous, though, to say that just in general, given that the Democrats and Republicans have teamed up against third party candidates in order to keep them off the ballot. Yeah. And they do that through basically making third party candidates uh, jump through extra hoops by getting sing- gathering signatures that the Democrats and Republicans don't have That's to gather. Right. So if they want to fix that problem, all they really have to do is you know work together to change the law. They're not gonna. to eliminate that, and then no. you know people would be able to run as something other than Democrat and Republican. They would, although I'll I don't think that would change a whole lot. I'm I'm a, I'm in favor of it. I, I think yeah. that they should make ballot access equal for smaller parties like the Libertarian Party or the Green Party or whatever. I do support that reform. First of all, the Democrats and Republicans are not going to do that because they don't want the competition. But uh, but if it did happen, I, I've been at the state house. I've testified in favor of bills that would do that, those things, and they get inevitably get shot down. But even if it did happen, I think that it wouldn't really change things very much. I think what you would see is more libertarians would run because it would be easier to run. Sure, but I still think you'd see most free staters running as libertarians. In the major, you mean hmm? as libertarians? You mean? What do you mean? Run because you can run as a libertarian now. Yeah, but just, it's difficult. It's difficult. I'm right. saying more would likely run because it'd be easier as libertarians. Yes, okay. but I think you'd see most free staters still running as Republicans and Democrats because libertarians still don't have a chance. Like they don't get as much attention in the media. You know, even if they're on the ballot, they're not as likely to get the same level of validity by sort of the mainstream it's true um and they have so, worked to keep us out of even new hampshire especially i guess new hampshire politics yeah uh, we I get mean, we get more coverage outside the state i think sometimes than inside the state we being libertarian party people you mean because the free staters get a ton of coverage here in the state we get news all the time yeah i guess i guess i guess i would have to frame that frame that a bit libertarians um, not so much so when jeremy kaufman was running yeah yeah i guess i guess it's that's what libertarian i would say candidate for u.s senate which is a relatively visible yep. seat right like that's a pretty big race 
he was pretty much ignored by uh, the mainstream media. He did get a, a little bit here and there. Like libertarians do get, I think, more here than elsewhere. I feel like the uh, the WMUR, which is the sort of one TV station, one broadcast TV station they have here, they did do a profile on Jeremy Kaufman when he ran, so that was cool, but I don't think they invited him to the debate. No, they, they didn't invite him to yeah. the debate because we went out and protested it. That's right. So, <laughs> like, you know, he got something, but he didn't yep. get fair treatment. Right, right. So that's why I think you would still see most free staters running in the main two parties because... If you can get in, if you can get through the primary as a Democrat or a Republican, and if you're in a Democrat or Republican area, you're going to win. Yeah. You know? And so, anyway, let's let's continue here. So, they say that they hide their true affiliation. In two, uh, by the year 2000, Free Staters and their na- 2000. Free Staters and their native counterparts in the Liberty Alliance controlled the New Hampshire House Republicans. I think they mean 2020. Because the year 2000, hadn't, the Free State Project hadn't even been conceptualized <laughs> yet. Uh, they called their combined group the House Freedom Caucus with help of the fellow anarcho-libertarian education commissioner, Frank Edelblue. They started defunding public education. What? Yeah, that's news to me. No, they didn't. What, they're, what she's referring to, the author here of this piece, the, a lot of the people on the left are flipping out about what are called education freedom accounts. So what happened was a few, maybe, I think it was like 2021. It's relatively new. It came up during the whole COVID thing. They uh, passed some law that allows parents, certain parents, you have to be below a certain level a level of poverty, as I understand it. But it allows those people to uh, receive essentially a check from the government for the purpose of sending their kids to some other school besides the government school or doing homeschooling or an unschooling program or whatever at home. So it doesn't have to be that you have to go to a private school, but obviously some people are using it for that purpose. And the idea is to get people and their uh, kids out of these government schools. And it's been very, very successful. But it hasn't, quote-unquote, defunded the uh, public education. I mean, there's still plenty of money there (laughs) for public education. They're still taxing us. So I guess from one perspective, you could say, okay, that's true in that, Every kid that is no longer in the government schools and is going to a private school technically could result in a smaller budget for those schools. But ultimately, that's still up to the voters. That's not what defunding is, though. Defunding would be like cutting the budget altogether. Yeah, and that's ultimately up to the voters in the individual areas. At best, it reduced the budget of these schools by a hair. And I don't even think that's happened because, again, that's not done at the state level for the government schools that's done mostly at the local level and so if people want to keep increasing the budget for the schools even though they're losing students they okay. can do that interesting and that sucks but they can they can I mean, do that is that that's i believe that's actually croydon. happening isn't it like, that's what happened in croydon yeah. where they were going to cut the budget by 50 percent, and then the status rallied back rallied the troops and they got all these government loving people to go vote and and increase the budget mm. so anyway going on Uh, The Freedom Caucus was assisted by the Free State Project board member, Greg Moore, who serves as State Director for Americans for Prosperity. With Coke funding, AFP knocked on doors and sent postcards to New Hampshire voters, encouraging them to sign up for subsidies from the EFA school voucher program. Deputy Director of the AFP New Hampshire spoke at Porkfest, probably soliciting canvassers at their rate of $22 per hour. Well, why would they speculate about that? 
Why wouldn't they just go and actually watch the speech so they would know exactly what he said? So they're just speculating on what he said. And yes, they are hiring people for AFP. And AFP is, it's kind of a Republican-y organization. I mean, they're they're good on some what, liberty issues. What does AFP issues. stand for? Uh, Americans for Prosperity. Oh, oh, them. Okay. They're kind of pro-liberty on some things, but they kind of seem to lean a little bit Republican-y. But if you want to get a job going door-to-door, knocking on people's doors, they'll pay you 22 bucks an hour to do that. Like, that's something bad? Democrats do that stuff all the time. What's Why why criticize that? Anyway, going on, it says the uh, Free State Project was on a roll. Double standards. (laughs) But the press was about to reveal their work. Two other Porkfest speakers, Jody and Ian Underwood, decided to put Free State Project theory to practice in Croydon, (laughs) which you just mentioned. Croydon selectman Ian Underwood voted to dissolve the police department. Any law enforcement now requires a call to state police. Then during, they also have county cops, by the way. Uh, During a poorly attended meeting in a snowstorm, school board chair Jody Underwood and her husband convinced a handful of residents to cut the school budget in half. Before we go on with that, I just want to talk about the the town uh, dissolving the police department. This has happened in multiple towns. Okay, this wasn't just a free state project thing in Croydon. Mm. This has happened elsewhere. It happened where Mark used to live here in the town next to Keene called Westmoreland. Uh, And that is not a free state or dominated town in any way, shape or form. The reason why these things happen is the townspeople are skin flints. Like they are thrifty people in a lot of ways and... Somebody says, "Look, we don't have any tr- we don't have any crime in this town. Why do we have this cop?" Yeah. You know, it, it gets it gets even more interesting, I think, because if you look at um if you look at how things were I think in the 1920s, it, we didn't I think it was until, well, I shouldn't say we, but New Hampshire didn't have a state police until the 1920s. Ooh. So, we had city, we had police that were hired by the cities, okay. but not the state. And now it's sort of flipping. We're kind of going in reverse where we've got uh, cities that are saying, hey, why do we need the city police when, you know, we've got the state police that can cover? Well, it's you know, it's the uh, it's the county police. I mean, they're wrong. Or, or, about or county this. police. Right. Yeah, they're wrong in this article. People aren't calling the state police. You can call the sheriffs and they're closer to you than like the state police. And I agree. Uh, abolish the town cops and also abolish the state police. I mean, it'd be nice to see sure. them all go. But if the if the best case scenario is we can cut out the higher and the lower level of uh, the police, then I think that's a win. But yeah, I mean, and we haven't you, seen the proposals to abolish. The if state you look police. at you know what what these guys are doing for the most part, they're not they're not making us any safer. They're not investigating no, they're people over and they're arresting drug users. Yeah, they're not investigating murders and you know there rapes hardly and are things. murders in New right. Hampshire. It's, we don't even have that many, right? Yeah. And uh, yet we have this huge police force. It's one of the actually one of the negatives of New Hampshire mm-hmm. is we have a very large police force in New Hampshire law enforcement. Yeah, and it's not because there's a lot of cops in New Hampshire that there are no murders. It's because oh, no. New Hampshire just doesn't have violent crime likely because we have some freedom to defend ourselves here yeah it'd be a big mistake to um, yeah. <clears throat> try to burglarize somebody in new hampshire uh, what which was is it? why these small towns are getting rid of their police departments because it's like yeah. we'll shoot you if you come into our homes yeah it, it was actually humorous it was a i believe it was a massachusetts fbi agent i think it was connected to the crypto six one uh, when they raided mm-hmm. said something to the effect of they've got an arsenal in yeah. here and then like somebody else said yeah every other house in america in i'm sorry every other house in new hampshire by this standard has an arsenal right 
Uh, so then they point out that the angry townspeople in Croydon forced a referendum and overturned the decision to cut the school budget, but not before national press featured the story. Not long after, two anarcho-capitalists, newly appointed to the Gunstock Area Ski Commission, this is a government-owned ski mountain called Gunstock, tried to cut its budget, despite it making refer- record profits for the county. The frustrated management team walked out en masse. The popular resort closed. More negative national press resulted. The failed attempt at some or of some Freedom Caucus members to secede from the United States that spring did not help the Free State Project's image either. Well, actually, it did help us, as a matter of fact. It helped quite a bit because we got new movers oh, yeah. here in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project because of the effort to secede from the, uh, the United States. And hopefully that is going to happen again in the upcoming session for uh, the state reps. It also resulted in publicity that was very, very useful, like the new uh, the NBC documentary series that NBC Boston made, which you can go to NBCBoston.com slash free state. You can watch it. It's an 11-part documentary. It's excellent. And they said when they were interviewed about why they made the documentary that it was the secession bill that made them decide that this is worth looking at. This is worth doing some sort of reporting on. So it was a big help. There's more coming up. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on doing the Free State Project and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. It's Free Talk Live, Ian and Chris here in the studio tonight, and you can join us. The number is 603-283-6160, that's 603-283-6160. Join us online as well over at freetalklive.com. Many features await you there. They're completely free. Once again, freetalklive.com. We've been sharing from the most recent hit piece posted by a group called Granite State Matters. And I guess this went out to their email list, but somehow somebody caught wind of it. And uh, it's one of those things where even though it went out to an email list, there's like a online web version that you can look at. So that's how I'm that's how I've got it here. <laughs> and uh, they're just trotting out a lot of claims about the Free State Project. Some of them well researched, some of them completely wrong. So that's what we're doing. We're just kind of correcting the record here as we go through it. Uh, but first, let's go to the phones here. We got Ricky in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Go ahead, Ricky. Thank you there, brother Ian. Brother Chris, good evening. Uh, what's on your mind? Well, you know, it's funny. This is kind of related almost to last night's call. This is referring to the, the show on July 3rd. 
Now, I had another topic in mind, but I tuned in. I'm listening. You guys are pumping it with secession and talking about it. So I automatically. Yeah, it was Independence uh, Eve on July 3rd. So, yeah, we talked about it. I thought that'd be the uh, Independence Day, but it was Eve. So, what happened is I changed my topic on the fly, and I did. I was the first caller, in fact. I was excited. I talked about secession, but here's the thing. Now, what happened that night, unlike last night, all the regulars were there. Now, this all applies to them, except for Bonnie's mom. She doesn't count in this. See, all of them, plus any other callers, one, and you guys kept pumping it even after I was on for quite a while, but you ultimately gave up because there wasn't one peep out of everybody about secession. And here's my observation, and I have something to say about one particular caller. Now, here's the problem. Why nobody say anything? Well. 180 stations, cross-country, and who knows who's listening? That's the problem I encounter in life in general. People what are you trying to, to say? I feel like you kind of lost the plot here. What, well, what here's what it comes down to. I'll give an example. I mean, here's one caller, in fact, and I'm going to put forth a challenge to this caller. Now, I mentioned a caller last night, and I'm going to give you some examples here. Now, I'm not somebody the wind just blew in. I didn't just come six months ago, that regardless. This caller, I've heard every single call, and every call is the same call. There's always a lame joke and a lame story. I'll give you an example of a story. It goes like this. Well, I was walking along the lake one day, and I met amongst a man. And I stood there, and I saw, you know, the smallest, wee-bittiest little thing I ever saw. And I stood there, and I couldn't help but stare, you know, as he played with his little thing. And then another man came by, and he stared with me. He stared with me. Okay. And he played with this thing. And then he put his pen knife back in his pocket. That's the kind of lame stories. And factoids would either So are you trying to just start a beef with another caller? Is that what you're doing here? Here's what it comes down to. Big, bad, major pain. He talks a lot and says very little. But the one thing he didn't talk about, and here's where the challenge is. He never talks about anything that stimulates my intellect or, or anything of any kind of real substance. Secession is... Well, I disagree with you on this, Ricky. I think Major Payne is generally pretty entertaining. He's got a lot of really okay. good stories. He frequently calls on topic. Uh, I mean, you've been calling a lot about other callers, and I oh, don't no, think that's particularly really. only, interesting. Only for one thing. Not one caller had one word to say about secession. They're not obligated to. It's an open phone show. I know. Yeah. I, know. I mean, you're, you're, you're calling account. in rambling about another caller right now, which is the same thing you did last well, night. I mean, why don't you well, call about I mean, something else? Well, okay. Well, I guess it, doesn't, it isn't that important. It's not like I I'm going to ban Major Payne because you don't like him. So ultimately, I'm not what, looking to ban him. Okay. I want to hear What do you him think? You're going to change him? Session. You think you're going to like make him a different man? Talk about something important. Well, he does call like on to topic in a lot of cases. Why don't actually? Why don't you? Why don't you bring up something as important right. as opposed to other like, callers. like expecting other callers to bring something important? Yeah. You well, know? I talked about secession just on the third. Okay. Okay. Well, well what about good. tonight? Yeah, I mean, that's the you thing. Know, you seem to be calling a lot about <laughs> what happened in the past. 
And we've told you this well, before. Well, I didn't have time, you know. I mean, sometimes I got to pick my phone calls, you know. You call it's, literally it's, every night. I mean, you you have more time on the air than the average caller to this radio program. And, and most of the time well, in recent calls, you, you've spent it complaining about other people calling in and things that have happened in the past. And I think what Chris is All pointing right, out here is, is spot on. Is that talked about the session. What are your thoughts on that? I know they're not obligated. But there were a lot of callers, including all these regulars. They talk about everything. But despite anything, not one peep except for myself about secession. Well, congratulations, Ricky. You called about (laughs) secession. Thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Uh, what do we think about secession? Obviously, we're in favor of it. I think I can speak for you on that one, Chris, because we uh, we come to the same conclusion, (laughs) I think, on that particular issue. And uh, New Hampshire needs uh, needs some work. You know, we need a lot of work. There needs to be more freedom-loving people here who uh, should come here as part of the Free State Project or not as part of the Free State Project. If you don't like joining things, just, just move yep. and, uh, and get active. If secession is your jam, if you're interested in that particular issue, then uh, there's some great organizations that you can help out, like the Foundation for New Hampshire Independence. There's also the newer organization, the New Hampshire IPAC, that is the New Hampshire Independence PAC Political Action Committee, that is raising money to give to candidates who support independence, uh, whether they are currently in office or whether they want to get into office. That's a relatively new organization. It just started up within the last year, and so they could use some more support. They could use some more like monthly uh, contributors, you know, 10 bucks a month, that kind of thing goes a long way if a bunch of people do it. And this is another area that you can help out, even if you haven't moved to New Hampshire yet. If you just like what's happening here, if you like the, the freedom movement, but you know, you're locked into your career or you're locked into a family or something you can't leave for whatever reason to move here, put some money into the Free State Project movement, put some money oh, yeah. into the organizations. And I don't mean give to necessarily the Free State Project, you can give to them if you want to. But giving or to the organizations that actually do the activism in New Hampshire, like the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, I mentioned them earlier, nhliberty.org, that's a great organization. I think they're probably the most effective one out there as far as the political scene is, is concerned, as far as liberty in the uh, political scene. But the the secessionist groups as well, uh, like nhipac.org, I think is their site. And then the uh, New Hampshire uh, Independence Group, the... Uh, uh, just. That name just went right out of my head. Alu's group, the foundation, the foundation for New Hampshire independence, another great group that's been doing some uh, some really great outreach. So find the things that you think are really cool that are going on in New Hampshire, and you can back them up by volunteering remotely or even contributing uh, to what they do. So to come back to the attack piece from Granite State Matters, they were talking about their. We're in a segment here in this attack piece where they're touting the victories against the Free State Project. This is a thing <laughs> that they like to do uh, because, you know, as, as though we're going to have all wins. You I, know? I, I really want to hear what they think is a victory against the Free State Project. You know, it's overturning Croydon. Oh, that's uh, that's funny. One. That's funny. You know, that was a victory for them. <clears throat> I, Absolutely. I, I feel like that is sort of a victory, I guess, for them. But like... I always feel like the question that you have to ask is why are we doing some of the things we're doing? Like, because it's, I I feel like often it's more about the public. Like I, at least I, I can't really speak for other people, but I feel like I do stuff 
because of the publicity, because it mm-hmm. drives more people here. It doesn't really matter whether we're successful, unquote, unquote, yeah. uh, in whatever that particular thing is. If it gets publicity, it brings more people here, sure. which actually has an impact later down the line. And I think so. And a lot of a lot of what I think we're still at, we're still at a point where a lot of the importance of doing stuff is to get more people here because we don't have our numbers in New Hampshire. Yes, we may have a disproportionate impact on the state already relative mm-hmm. to our population, but we still have a ways to go oh, before way, yeah. we're going to have like, you know, real control over the state. Even if right. the Democrats think that we're in control of the Which Republican they, Party. Obviously, I mean, we're not. The we're free not. Senators are not in control of the Republican Party. Otherwise, the Republicans would be supporting secession. Right. Right. We're certainly we're certainly making major progress. But we're still a big part of what we're doing is trying to get more people to come so we actually can eventually have a libertarian state, if not an independent country. That's true. Uh, And I'm not saying there there isn't like a positive way to spin the Croydon thing, but it would have looked better if we'd have gotten oh, the, sure. the 50% sure. cut of the budget and it had stuck. But, but if you listen to <laughs> you know? like, if you listen, they overturned that, if you listen so to, they did win that one. You're right. I think to some degree, but if you look at what the Underwood said, they never thought it was going to occur in the first place. He kind of went in, you know, without really any substantial planning. It was sort of a, Oh, let me throw this out there and see what happens. Yeah. And it, passed. so, <laughs> you and know, then it got reversed. Right. And the, and the, the people that love big government, the people that love the state, they love wearing this one as a badge of honor, like, ha ha, we showed the free staters, we reversed. Now, of course, when you dig into that and you start learning more about how they did it, you start learning that they were dishonest with people, mm, sure. uh, that they went door to door. They had money come in from the outside, like the the NEA, the, the opposition you're talking about. Yeah, now, right? okay. the people that love the government that wanted to overturn the reduction in the school budget. It was a 50% reduction in the school budget. They got it overturned. But the way they did it was, of course, not, not uh, honest, as I understand it. So the National Education Association, which is the teachers union, apparently gave a bunch of money to have an organization created about save our kids or you know whatever it was called something some heart tugging kind yeah. of name like that right and then they went around door to door and they uh, I don't know what the exact pitch was but as I understand it they were not fully honest with the people that they spoke with nope. and they misrepresented likely what was going on in order yep. to get people to turn out and vote to uh, increase the school budget. So you know and they what succeeded. One of the things I think that people don't really understand about like teachers unions and, and things of this nature is they're not fighting for education. They're fighting for their own interests. The bureaucrats. They're fighting for the paychecks. Of yeah. The bureaucrats. Right. Right. They're paying. They're they're fighting for what the teachers, uh, you know, or the union feels is in their uh, members' best interest. And in yeah. this particular case, you know. Um, you know, there are things that you get with government jobs that teachers get that nobody else gets. And, you know, examples of this are things like benefits, right? Um, they don't have uh, 401ks like most of the world, uh, or I should, say, I should say most of the world, but m- most uh, companies, right, mm-hmm. um, these days, they have, um, what is it, uh, Pension. Pensions, pensions, and the pensions are actually better than Big the time. 401ks. Yeah, yep. substantially better. So, um, you know, these are the types of things that they're, you know, they're fighting to keep that they probably shouldn't have been given in the first place. Right. Um, Undoing that is a real challenge. Right, right. And if you look at the amount of success that the unionization of uh, government 
especially teachers and workers has had, especially in the in the teaching sector, it's significant. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if I can recall the numbers. I think it was something like 20 times, like between like I forget what year, but it was like some somewhere in the 1960s, and like what teachers are paid today. Oh yeah. Um, in New Hampshire, it was I think in like the Corden example, it was something like 20 times. Uh, more a lot faster than and that's inflation, at, right? That, right, and that's at, but hold on, that's that's taking an account. That's taking account of inflation. So they'd be getting paid. I, I don't even know. I, I don't even know what it would be, but it would be like one twentieth or something like that. And th- I don't think that's a perfectly accurate analogy because I don't think the. Um, it, it, it's, I forget why, but there was there was a reason it wasn't. It's not a perfect analogy, but basically the point is that mm-hmm. it's substantially better in terms of the oh, okay. They're so paying twenty thousand dollars per student in New Hampshire to quote unquote educate. Yes, them, yes, which is a ton of money. It's way more than even some private schools. Yeah, it's something pay. like it, it's something like if we were paying the same as we were in the nineteen sixties, it would be like you know with inflation taking mm-hmm. it would be like two thousand dollars a student. Wow. Like um, wow. But if you and think I bet about they it, were getting better results in the sixties. Oh yeah, yeah. And of course, I I don't I bet the benefits there probably weren't any of the benefits either. Um, but if mm-hmm. you take it, if you take if you think about it for a moment, um, if you, let's say you have a class of twenty students and you talk up by two thousand you know dollars a student mm-hmm. you know that's still you know that's still enough money to pay a teacher to teach sure and is, yeah. a lot of the costs of the you know government education is in all of the administration right. and all the, all these other things the bureaucrats the secretaries yeah. Yeah. the doctors doctorates oh yeah and- oh yeah oh yeah a lot of things that they didn't do and didn't have in the 60s but kids still got an education <laughs> yeah exactly so. So this this was a win for the status. They get to pat themselves on the back. And the thing is, they're acting like, ha, we've defeated the free staters and they're done for. Now the voters have woken up. In fact, that's what they say here in the next statement. They say voters across the state began to realize that the free state project's extremist rhetoric was more than talk. Free State Project founder Sorens lost a local election to the Amherst Planning Board. Free Staters and Liberty Alliance members lost their dominance in the Republican caucus. Republicans nearly lost the majority. But the thing they're leaving out is that more Free Staters were elected last year Mm -hmm. than ever before. So this whole narrative that the voters are going to stop the free staters, there's yep. not really any evidence for and that. Not only that, but we got our first senator, I do believe. Is that, Correct. I, I, I yeah, believe I'm correct on that the one. First unless, free stater senator. Unless yeah. it's been like two years since nope. then, and nope, I'm mistaken about which, which session it was. Nope. But yeah, was yeah. So Keith, uh, Keith Murphy from yeah. Murphy's Taproom. Uh, who's a very successful free stater businessman who's opened multiple restaurants uh, that are you know, highly acclaimed. So, uh, yeah, it is not over in any way, shape, or form. They have not received their total victory that they seem to believe that they're going <laughs> to be receiving. And uh, But let's continue. So the next section is entitled, Lying Low Till Enough People Move Here. After last <laughs> November's elections, according to House members, Majority Leader and Free State Project member Jason Osborne instructed the House Freedom Caucus to keep a low profile They should wait until future sessions when they have the numbers they need to slash state government to the anti-democratic and narco-capitalist form that they desire. And it is worth pointing out Jason Osborne is indeed uh, a Free State Project early mover. He used to be a sponsor here on Free Talk Live in our earliest days. 
Before he even moved to New Hampshire, he was a sponsor of the show for SACL CAI, which was his business at the time. And he did indeed make it to House Majority Leader, which is a pretty big position. This is essentially the second most powerful position in the state house. I'm critical of Jason on some of the things that he's done. For instance, he didn't back secession. Uh, He has been acting more like a Republican than a libertarian. And one theory is that he is still a voluntarist or an anarcho-capitalist or whatever the terminology he would have used 10 years ago. He's still that same Jason Osborne, but he's hiding. He's hmm. he's acting like a Republican in order to make it to the position that he's in, because the argument would be that had he acted like a libertarian, he never would have become the majority House leader. So he has to kind of couch his terms in Republican jargon or whatever, hmm. right? And this is this is this goes back to what uh, the the haters in this article are pointing out. And I think they are right to some extent when they say that some free staters are hiding their true beliefs. And I think that's probably true. Otherwise, the other story is, which is what, if you believe, apparently Jason has said. Now, he has not said this to me directly, so this is hearsay. But what he has allegedly said is that he's no longer an anarcho-capitalist. He was at one time, but now he's a true Republican <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. What's you know what's his voting record like in recent years? Have we looked at this? I, um, I am, we'd have to look at the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. I am curious. See, I suspect he's an A-rated rep, but okay. uh, but that's a great question. Yeah, I, it, has it, I don't I, know. And, and and not only that, but has it changed? Right? Mm-hmm. Has, has it gotten worse? Things? Yeah, right. Yeah, like, has it gotten worse or has it remained the same? Good question. Uh, I think that he's still doing good work in general, but he's not as liberty oriented as I would want him to be. But then again, the argument is, if he had been, he wouldn't be the House Majority Leader. So, you know, he's going to do him, and we're going to do what we do. And so I have a real appreciation for any state reps that do not hide who they truly are. Like Matt Santanastasso, who is the 100% highest rated Liberty rep in the State House, according to the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance in their last uh, rankings that they did. He is not afraid to take pro-liberty positions on every issue every time because he doesn't care if he doesn't get reelected. And a lot of these people are concerned with that. So they water their positions down. And, and I think that's unfortunate. I, I think that I think people should be more honest about about who, what they are or who they you know, what they believe when they're running for these offices. That said, I can't come down too hard on people who hide their viewpoint because politics is a dirty, dirty game. <laughs> yeah. And people will play dirty, uh, and it gets really ugly. So, you know, if you're willing to do that, which is to say, act as though you don't really believe in order to get into those positions, personally, I disagree with it, but I can understand why they do it. Yeah, it, it, I've I've taken classes like that kind of teach you how the game works, mm-hmm. and it's kind of interesting, and um, it's like they what people don't understand is that there are professionals who will basically teach politicians to be politicians yeah and in the process yeah right yeah right um but in the process one of the things that they they teach you is they coach you on how to not answer questions Mm -hmm. yeah and so you this is something i think a lot of people kind of have heard of um but and actually if you've ever asked a politician a question then you know and a good example of this actually i think is probably uh what happened with uh, rfk at pork fest actually Mm -hmm. when he gave the speech and he was questioned on secession he dodged it right he dodged the question (laughs) um so you know i mean that's that's 
that's I don't think that happens quite as much as in, in New Hampshire with a lot of especially with our a lot of our uh, more liberty representatives. But it certainly is something that is kind of the status quo mm-hmm. just in general. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's go on. This is the final section here of this uh, hit piece from Granite State Matters entitled, entitled Luring People to New Hampshire, Drugs, Crypto, Sex, and then in quotes, Freedom. <laughs> now, more Free State Project activity takes place under wraps. FSP member Kevin Haley recruits new movers, helps manage events, and works in, quote, anonymous digital activism, unquote. But on his FSP Discord channel, Haley makes no secret of the fact that he censors any negativity around moving to New Hampshire or the Free State Project. By the way, Kevin is a native of New Hampshire, okay? So I don't know if he's joined the Free State Project. He's active with the Free State Project, but... You know, the friend of the Free State Project. Yeah, I think is, they, is generally, traditionally how you would have Right, it. I think they let anyone in New Hampshire join, but did he move here? No, he's a native. He's a liberty-loving native yeah. who who really loves the Free State Project so much, he volunteers for them on a regular basis. I, I think some of, the, I think some of the, the points I would make against people who are like, oh, you're just taking over the state, I, I would argue that some of our best activists are actually not Free State Project participants they're just friends the of the locals. free state because yeah. they could not move because they already lived here they are the best because yeah. they already know everybody and mm-hmm. they've got a, a network that's just on that it doesn't compare to those of us who moved here and it's interesting because like when the free state project and you can correct me if I'm, i get this a little bit wrong but when the free state project decided on new hampshire the governor actually welcomed the free state the free state project to move here yeah uh or the participants i guess yep, which i thought true. was entertaining so then they give, a, I guess, an excerpt from the terms of service of the Free State Project Discord server. And uh, one, the purpose of this server is to increase the number of liberty lovers who move to New Hampshire. Therefore, anything that is not conducive to that goal or is hostile to that goal is not welcome. Uh, hello? Isn't that exactly what the Democrats do when they're having their anti-Free State Project meetings? They try to keep people <laughs> sure. out who want to tell the truth about the, the Free State Project. It's it's their server. They can totally set these rules in the same way, Chris, you you run a few chat rooms here and there. And I've seen you tell people, hey, look, you got to stay on topic. If we're here to talk about cryptocurrency, then keep it to cryptocurrency. If we're here to talk about ForkFest, let's keep it to ForkFest. I mean, you let it slide on on occasion, but, you know, you got to kind of keep people to the rules or these things will go off the the rails. Yeah. And, you know, we've definitely we've definitely tried to, um, I think. Uh, you know, um, I, I don't like the idea of like kicking and banning people, but try to persuade people, Hey, check out this other room and have your conversation there. Because there's definitely some conversations that are just better suited for like a different a general room, yeah, a different yeah. room or a general room, as opposed to a room that's more focused on a particular issue. So yeah. it's, it's what, you know, back in the day, there was something called IRC internet really chat. And it used to be something to the effect of, okay, you're off topic. It, yep. It's literally what they called it off topic. And so this is pretty common for chat rooms, and they're acting like, oh, the free staters are really cracking down. And then they cite rule number four, which says, even if you don't explicitly break these rules, if you harsh the vibes in the server, you may not be a good fit. Again, it's their server. They can run how they want. On our server, over at our Matrix server at chat.freetalklive.com, so we get the instructions on how to join it, you can start your own room if you don't like the way somebody is... Uh, moderating their room. And people do. Yeah, there was in fact a, a <laughs> cryptocurrency room for New Hampshire All that the just time. got created that's competing yep. with the <laughs> other cryptocurrency room. There's more coming up here. Uh, this is Free Talk Live. Hour 3 is next.
hit piece against the Free State Project by a group known as Granite State Matters. And I don't know how groupish they are. It might just be one lady. You know, it's hard to really know. But she has written up a long piece here. I believe her name is Jeannie Deach. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but her name appears at the very bottom of the website uh, from Granite State Matters. It's a attack piece against the Free State Project. It has gone into some misinformation and some well-researched information. It's been a bit of a mixed bag in this particular article, looking at the Free State Project, looking at its history. For those of you just tuning in, the Free State Project is the most successful libertarian migration on the planet. It is the idea of taking thousands of similarly-minded people, liberty-minded libertarians, voluntarists, liberty-loving anarchists, and attracting them all to the same geographic area, one in which there is a very small population, like here in New Hampshire. And uh, New Hampshire was chosen as the destination for the Free State Project back in 2003, and it has gone, uh, I would say, very, very well. There have been tremendous successes that the Free State Project has had. Not only the success of actually getting thousands of people to move here, yeah. but then the other things that those thousands of people have done on their own volition. The Free State Project doesn't tell you what to do. They just say, hey, come here. We think you should be here. Here's some reasons why you should be here. Here's 101 reasons. You can go to 101reasonsfilm.com. You can watch the, it's a somewhat old documentary at this point, but there's an updated list of those 101 reasons that you can link to from there. And so it's that attracting, bringing people here, showing off. That's what the Porcupine Freedom Festival does and the Liberty Forum. These are the two yearly events that the Free State Project puts on. To kind of showcase uh, some of the successes that we're having, what some of the activists who are here are doing, and get people connected with the community before they make the move. Give them reasons to uh, make the move here. The more free staters we can get here, the more libertarian activists we can get to New Hampshire, the closer we will get, the faster we will get to a more libertarian place to live. It isn't going to happen overnight. Yeah, it's it's um and it's it's interesting because it's you know the Free State Project it's sort of uh it's not really one thing like there's the Free State Project Incorporated and they put on events but they put on like two events basically every year but there's all of these other sort of uh, groups and regions that kind of do their own thing as well so yeah it's very kind of a de- decentralized you know not top down kind of thing and that's the way it ought to be right I mean that can be frustrating to some people because. Yeah, but- there's a lot going on. It's kind of hard to get a handle on that, but that's also, again, a plus because oh, yeah. there's so much happening. If you go to the Free State Project website, freestateproject.org, or I think fsp.org, I think they registered that some number of years ago. I don't know what they had to pay to get it, but they I, got it. Yeah, I, I was uh, short three-layer domain names are impossible to get. They must have paid a lot I, for that. I can't even imagine how many millions they probably spent on that. I suspect it wasn't millions, but, uh, uh, but yeah, it was probably. I know, I know. Back in like 2005, it would have been probably in you that think range. So? Yeah, I don't know if the prices came down, but those are three-layer domain names are really, really yeah. expensive. Yeah, exactly. So check their site out. They've got a calendar there that shows you some of what's going on. Shows you the public events, the things that they want to attract anybody to attend. There's also other things that are not listed uh, on that calendar. So it gives you a nice starting point when you're coming to visit here to New Hampshire. If you're going to come up for a weekend or a week or something like that to kind of explore outside of Porkfest or outside of the Liberty Forum, you can come up anytime. There's always stuff going on. So let's go on with this hit piece here from Granite State Matters where they're criticizing the Free State Project from having its own Discord server with rules on it. 
Now, we've criticized them for having their own Discord server. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's because it's a Discord server, not because they have it, whatever it, rules it's that It's not have. an actual server they control. It's, right. a, it's, it's just a room, effectively, on a server that it's somebody a lazy, else controls. It's the lazy man's uh, chat, chat yeah. server. You're es- essentially l- relying on a centralized corporation, a, a woke corporation. Oh, yeah. Uh, that re- has all kinds of restrictions that otherwise they might not have. If you want to be controlled, if you want your speech to be controlled, get Go on to Discord. Discord. <laughs> yeah. uh, but they haven't decided to start their own Matrix server or whatever, and that's you know, their problem. It's, but anyway, the uh, the people are whoever it is that's writing this article is criticizing them for having a rule on the server that would uh, quote. The purpose of the server is to increase the number of liberty lovers who move to New Hampshire. Therefore, anything that's not conducive to that goal or hostile to that goal is not welcome. As though it's as though there's something wrong with the Free State Project telling somebody who shows up on their their chat channel who's talking crap about New Hampshire and like, oh, Florida's better, you know, whatever, DeSantis, Texas, you know, whatever yeah. it would be that somebody like that would say. For the Free State Project to say, okay, well, go to a Florida server then. Right. Bye. <laughs> As though that's some sort of problem. So let's go on. They say, apparently, freedom of speech is not one of the freedoms. Oh, my God. If it interferes with duping the naive to join the cause. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, First of all, freedom of speech is an important idea. But it's not the end-all, be-all. And it is really only the most important ideal when it comes to dealing with a monopolistic, violent group called the government. You should have freedom yep. of speech so you can speak out against them. It, it, and, you know, there's, I think there's another aspect of this. It's you have the right to speak, but nobody is obligated to listen, right? And you don't have the right to speak on someone's private property. That's what this ultimately comes down to. Yep. The Free State Project has their chat channel, just like we have our chat channels. Now, we're pretty permissive. Uh, when I say we, I mean the <laughs> uh, Free Talk Live. <laughs> On the Free Talk Live server at chat.freetalklive.com, I generally don't ban people from that server. I can't say that people it, haven't been banned. I personally don't do it. If there um, was ever a um, def- if there was ever if you could ever say anybody was a free speech extremist, <laughs> that's the LRNFM servers. More so, and most yeah, of the on channels. The Mastodon. Yeah, most of the channels here that were the Mastodon has been completely unmolested, with the exception of stopping spammers. Yeah, and that is it. No one has been banned from Mastodon for having their opinions, with the exception of one guy who was banned for being a snitch. Uh, I mean, and that's the other rule we have: is don't snitch on people. I think, though, backing up a moment is uh, we're ta- if we're talking about the LRNFM Matrix server, not necessarily a particular chat room. If that makes any sense, is what I that's what true. I was referencing. Yeah, so. you can start your own channel. So, we yeah. won't. We don't care. I don't think there's right. ever been like a channel that's. I don't even know if you can remove a channel. You can. Exactly. There are ways. Um, yeah, but I think it's hard. To I do, guess though. you can sort of remove it, so maybe people can't join. But I think the people who are already in the channel, no, you can you can just can still message you can each just other. zap the thing. But you have to go in from okay. like you have to go through like the database or something. It's not an easy thing. It's not something that some admin can easily like right click and delete a See, channel. I, I, I'm getting mixed information as to what the story is with that because, as it was explained to me anyway by one person, the channel is effectively duplicated on every other matrix server from to the extent somebody's connecting from another matrix server hmm. so uh, but again no, i'm I not speak to i'm that. not an know. expert on this either so <laughs> well obviously we wouldn't be able to delete someone else's channel on another server but right uh, but but, the, but as, as, as i understand it if you concerned. make a channel on the lrnfm matrix server and somebody connects from another mm-hmm. matrix server with you know they have a username on another yeah. matrix server it will copy and sync that 
room to yeah. that other server. Okay. Um, and people apparently can communicate. I don't, I, I seem, I, I feel like that's wrong, but like that person's really knowledgeable about Matrix by comparison, yeah. I feel. So, okay. I don't know. All I know is, is my understanding, you can delete a channel. Uh, as a uh, administrator, you have, if you have access of the to server, the, of the Matrix the server. End, yeah, you can delete okay. a channel. Um, but it's not something we've, we've ever done. Uh, and if it's a private channel, we wouldn't even know it exists to delete it. Because you can create private channels and we don't have a list of those. We have no idea. If you if it's not a publicly listed channel and you don't share that information with uh, with anybody, then if you just invite your buddies to that channel, we have no idea it's there because that's the the nature of that uh, of that system. I presume it would have to be shown on the server on the back end if you looked though. Maybe, but it would be encrypted. There wouldn't be any kind of yeah because uh, it has because okay so the way the way Matrix works if it's a if it's a private encrypted channel is you're individually encrypting each of your messages to every other user within that channel mm-hmm. so unless somebody was invited to that channel you wouldn't know what people were saying within that channel you don't even know it exists if you're just a regular user of the the server I have no idea as an administrator of the server I have no idea how many private channels there are how can you delete a channel without knowing that it exists you must be that's able- what i'm saying you can't hmm. if you don't know the channel exists then it would be very hard to delete it what you're saying is you might be able to go into some sort of database on the server and see the full list yep. of channels but it still probably wouldn't show you the names of those it would probably just be some hash okay you know what i mean so you yep. don't still wouldn't even really know which one is which Unless you're okay. in that channel, then you could probably get some ID from it or whatever. Right, right, you know what I mean? right, right, right. So that's okay. one of the key differences between Matrix and Discord is our system is decentralized. It's still a central server. It's still happening on our our box, right? Like on the internet, we have a server that runs this thing. But it's federated. <laughs> it's federated. Well, it's federated, yeah. which means other people can connect to it. But it's decentralized in that. Well, first of all, it's part of a federation, so you can connect from outside in a lot of cases. Right, so you don't have to have an account on the LRNFM matrix server to use some to of the use channels. A, to, to, yeah. to join a room on the LRNFM matrix server. Sometimes you do. There are certain channels where uh, you do, can Is restrict. that a restriction? Is that an option to restrict mm-hmm. to yeah, only people There's a on handful the, okay. of channels uh, that I created that I only wanted people in our server to have access to. Okay. So the On Air Now channel is one of those. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And that's fine because, you know, there's plenty of people in the on-air now channel. We don't need the federated people coming in there. It makes it more challenging, too, to moderate if you've got people coming in from outside of the server Mm -hmm. as well. But the other thing about when I say it's decentralized, even though it's on a central server, it's decentralized in that anyone can create a chat room. Whereas on Discord, only the administrators can decide what chat rooms exist. And then, of course, Discord itself can decide to delete (laughs) your server. But, uh, But, you know, there was no... It was not ground up, meaning that uh, someone who just wants to make a channel about XYZ, they can do that over at chat.freetalklive.com. So go there and get the uh, details on how to get signed up. There's a Free State Project channel on our chat server, and I think there's more than one. There's like the ForkFest channel, which is relatively popular as well. Yeah, there are two, I believe, uh, Free State Project. I've heard there's a a secret ForkFest channel as well uh, that that I am not in. It was some sort of protesting pork fest channel and i don't know what it's yeah, what it's I, I called think, i think you're right bonnie's bonnie's in there but i'm not i'm not in I, that one i think i'm probably in that one as well so check it out go to chat.freetalklive.com so here's the wrap-up from granite state matters in their hit piece against the free state project they say how can otherwise intelligent people think that ad hoc groups of individuals can avoid takeover by dictatorships and multinational corporations 
a military strong enough to withstand China with no civil command to monitor it would be a dictatorship. Huh? I don't know why all of a sudden it went this direction. <laughs> like they were just talking about the Free State Project and sort of the ins and outs of it. And now they're going like on a global international scale here i i mean I, i'm trying to just wrap my head around that statement. let me continue because there's more <laughs> okay <laughs> on the subject without government who would stop multinationals from taking whatever lands they please and spewing any effluence they care to talking about pollution infrastructure would deteriorate with no dedicated funding or scheduled maintenance the naivete of free stater plans is jaw-dropping so what they're saying here is that oh we need to have a centralized government monopoly on violence in order to stop big companies from taking over. It, you know, what's kind of interesting, too, about this is that she clearly doesn't know the history of like roads in the United States. That they were um, private? Yeah, because a lot of them started as private toll roads, mm-hmm. not government toll roads. The government took over the private toll roads. By force. By force, right. So this whole idea that, like, oh, we wouldn't have roads if government didn't do it, that's not really true. Okay, go to Disney World. You can see that private property can make roads yeah. and can actually make roads better than the government you can also go to private office parks and things like that right like there's plenty of private roads out there that one's off the table that's a ridiculous uh assertion but let's look at this idea that mega corporations will just take people's property will just come in and steal land if it weren't for the government to protect us when the reality is the opposite is true it's the mega corporations that are using the government to steal land for their purposes, for their corporate purposes. Kilo versus New London is a perfect example of this in 2005 in New London, Connecticut, where the government of New London, in tandem with a corporation known as the uh, Development Corporation or whatever they were called, New London Development Corporation, got together to literally steal property through eminent domain of people who had lived in a neighborhood for generations. They stole their homes. Those people took the government to court, and they went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, we're going to rule with the, with the state. We're ruling with the town of New London on this because they should be able to take people's private property and give it to corporations if it will give them more tax money. That's yeah. basically what the Supreme Court said. So the opposite of what this person is saying in the article about big corporations without the government will just start stealing things. No, it's the, it's the state that allows corporations to steal from people. It's the state that empowers these mega corporations to get bigger and bigger and bigger and feed off of and destroy the mom and pop companies out there. Yeah, you know, there's there's also another interesting one uh, to kind of compare to, um, and that's the internet, right? Like the internet is a set of private entities that uh, basically have have agreements with each other mm-hmm. to um, exchange information, right? And then you have subscribers that subscribe to those to those those entities. Right. And there's nothing that says you couldn't. And I'm not I'm not necessarily saying I am advocating for this system. But what I am saying is that their point is that there is other solutions that doesn't revolve. The government doesn't run the whole Internet. Right. That's right. Right. And and so. Thank goodness. Right. And and so like the idea that you cannot have uh, designs and systems that 
doesn't involve a centrally planned government is is kind of absurd. Um, you could potentially do something similar to you know how the internet's designed, but for roads. Um, so and and the same thing you know is potentially applicable to you know other you know other other things as well, like police departments, law mm-hmm. enforcement. There's nothing that says that you could not have a subscription, just like you have uh, an insurance policy, right. right? And you subscribe to or car insurance might be an example where if you get into an accident, you call up your car insurance company and they send somebody out and they'll, you know, figure out, you know, how to deal with the situation and pay out whoever needs to be paid out. Um, You know, the government doesn't have to do these things. Yeah. And it's hard to really envision how those things would work because it's never been tried. You know, I feel like it's, I I, I think you're kind of right. Like I think that for the average person, that's true, but I don't think that I feel like I have no idea how it could work, right? Like, I feel like these, we already have systems that work, maybe not work well in many cases, but then again, we have the government that often even works worse. Yeah. So, but the point is that we have systems that do work that are not government. Um, and there's no reason that those systems couldn't be applied in other areas. So emulate those ideas yeah, and I mean, see how you they could, work. You could absolutely emulate, uh, you know, and, and, and it couldn't be worse, right? Right. right like right, the like, idea of competitive policing or competitive courts uh, couldn't be worse than the monopoly system we we have. Yeah, and it's like and better than that, you wouldn't be forced to pay for them. It, it, you didn't it, like them. It, and, and the interesting part of this is like you don't have to go from uh, let's say um. You know, you don't have to go straight to from having everything be be uh, government to nothing be government. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you could have courts that are still centrally controlled, but have private law enforcement agencies that Mm -hmm. you subscribed to and then not pay taxes for the that. Right. That may be how Um, it goes. Who knows? Right. And then maybe a centrally plan. Like like you don't have to jump. Nobody's nobody is. I I don't think anybody is suggesting that overnight, you know, Mm -hmm. all of these systems uh, these government or centrally controlled systems be replaced. No, that's probably not the way to go. It's probably something you want to work towards over time because yeah. you want to see and you want to test things. I mean, and, I would press the work. button if I were given the chance, but yeah, that's not well, going to happen. Right? I mean, I, I, people want to go slow. I think we we don't have um, I as much as as much as I I, I think uh, pressing the button would maybe a fun way to go. Um, it, I don't have, and I don't think any of us have an answer to every single centrally controlled thing right that government does um so it probably makes sense before you jump from one thing to another to at least have a proposal right or have somebody have an idea on how we can do this uh you know and the in a, more especially people in a compa- we can get, competitive way yeah the more people we can get to new hampshire the more ideas are going to be able to be proposed we're going to have some of the thinkers we're going to have the doers and the idea people who will come up with things we haven't even thought of yet as far as how these things could go in the absence of the state but would it go like this person at Granite State Matters is saying? Would it go to where if the government were gone tomorrow, would it be true at any point that a quote-unquote multinational would take whatever land they please? No, they wouldn't. And I, the reason why is because Target or Walmart or Monsanto or whoever it is that the bad guy is in this person's mind— if they come to your property and they try to use force against you to get you to leave your property because they want to build a new Walmart there or whatever it is, you would be able to legally use force to defend yourself and your neighbors would understand that 
you were defending yourself against a criminal element right. calling themselves Walmart that was trying to take let's, your property from you. Let's take the opposition, what they're going to say. Okay, you know, go okay. for it. Um, well, that's just unrealistic. How what are you going to how can you how are you going to be able to afford to defend yourself when they come with an army? They're not going to come with an army number 1 because I mean that's ridiculous that they would pay that kind of money to take somebody's property. But secondly, you could have your own uh, defense force, which is what you were just talking about a that's moment ago. That's unrealistic. You couldn't afford that as an ordinary individual. Neighborhoods could. Oh, so what you're saying is insurance, basically. People coming together right, and, and right. spending Hiring money. Some sort of, having some yeah. sort of subscription to some sort of insurance that would then cover the expenses in the event somebody tried to right. take your land. And the other thing is, it would not be very popular if Walmart, let's say they did overpower you, right? That they did have enough tanks or whatever it would be to take somebody's land or take a whole neighborhood's property because obviously one house isn't going to be enough to build a Walmart. So you're going to take you're going to have to take multiple people's property. And so they did overpower and how would it go as far as what people thought about that? Would people be cheering Walmart on in that circumstance or would people be cheering on the neighbors who are trying to defend their homes that they've lived in for generations? I tend to think that the people would be cheering on the neighbors, and I yeah. think that Walmart's stock price would suffer brutally if Walmart started using an iron fist to expand their stores and started to put guns in their customers' faces. Like, your business is over at this point. As long as I can go over to Target or Amazon or whatever other stores exist, then Walmart's out of business by using violence. The The business world does not use violence against one another unless they're connected with governments. Yeah. Business businesses compete on the basis of price. They business, compete. Businesses use governments to their advantage. That's what I'm saying. But without the government there, right. then they have to compete based <laughs> right, on right. price. They have to compete based on service. And if you start pulling guns out on your customers and on your neighbors, you're not going to last. Yeah. You know, I think people have this idea. Not that, to mention that it's expensive. The, the opposition has yeah. this idea that there would be no government when you press that big red button. And I think that's kind of a flawed way of understanding what's being proposed. It really isn't that there's no there's no law or there's no government. It's just the government isn't as it would be today in the centrally planned and controlled fashion. Hmm. The number here is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Suffice it to say, the future that libertarians are envisioning is not a future where Walmart's going to get to roll a tank over your property and that everybody would just be fine with that. It's is ridiculous. Uh, there's more coming up here, and you can join the show. It is Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Phones are open if you want to join us here. We're talking about this hit piece, the latest one against the Free State Project, and a long line of hit pieces that have gone on for you know two decades, roughly. Because the Free State Project, that migration of libertarians, the only real successful one out there right now uh, on the planet, focusing here in New Hampshire, getting thousands of people to move here. Hundreds moved in, uh, several hundred moved in just the last year, 1,100 the year prior to that. We've seen record numbers of people coming here in recent years, especially after COVID. Uh, but it's been tremendously successful seeing what has happened here. And, of course, because of that, the people in the uh, opposition, the people who love the government, 
they have taken notice and they are very, very concerned. And if you haven't watched the NBC Boston documentary yet, that's a great way to really get a feel for these people because NBC Boston really did a great job of of talking to both sides. So they had some oh, definitely. The, they had a bunch of free staters on the show and they also brought in some of these free state haters. It, it was it was really interesting just yeah. how well of a job they did considering you know the narrative of these major corporations like NBC. Um, yeah, they were it's really, usually one-sided. Yeah, they're really, really well done documentary. You can check it out at nbcboston.com/slash/freestate. Recommend it. It's an eleven-part series, and it's really, really well done. Uh, in fact, they even have a an extra series where they they did what they call a watch party, where they would take the uh, the eleven parts are like ten to fifteen minutes in length each. So they would take one of those parts and then they would sort of sandwich it into a uh, half an hour long content package where at the end they did like a 10 minute long interview with somebody who was in that particular documentary. So they would talk to some of the free staters or they would talk to one of the haters. And that's that's where they really even dug even deeper into what these people think. It's fascinating to watch the people that hate the free state project and some of the things that they say. Some of those things are kind of unintentional compliments where they'll say things about how (laughs) successful we've been at doing things like influencing the republican party or whatever whatever things so there's a little bit of that coming up here in the remainder of this hit piece that we've been reading here throughout the show tonight uh and it's just kind of talking about the things they get right and the things they get wrong here from granite state matters which is uh, one of the hate groups that hates the free state project Uh, So here's the remainder of it. So they're focusing on the Discord server, the Free State Project's Discord server. And uh, they say that the Discord server that posted the rules above that they were complaining about also included post-Porkfest feedback. Attendees were generally positive, but a number complained about, quote, too many nude people, unquote. (laughs) Members discussed how they might discourage men from, quote, wagging their penises at me, unquote, and keep nude people away from the family area without having rules that required them to do so. I just want to point out that a lot of the people talking crap about naked people at Porkfest weren't there. They only heard about there being naked people at Porkfest or they saw a photograph uh, that I shared and Carlin Borshenko shared from the Naked Olympics and that was what they were going off of. That was what they extrapolated that, oh, my God, there's men waving their junk in front of children. No, that <laughs> did not actually happen. There have been absolutely zero reports of that happening at the Porcupine Freedom it's, Festival. It's so funny. Uh, like, just thinking about, like, your my your like my european friends i mean i don't mm-hmm. really like have that many european friends but the point is like just talking to other european acquaintances and, and and friends i guess over the years and i find it so interesting like this perspective that nudity somehow is like a threat yeah because you know it, looking at it like they'll they'll explain how like oh like 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 they don't understand like like they don't even understand like what the concern the is right yeah. like because they've got you know they've got nudity in public they've got you know naked women on the walls in the in the subway systems like yeah, they like, have I nude mean, beaches they have nude right and we're not even talking about nude beaches we have their their beaches are just like even their non-nude beaches there's like nudity like yeah it's, it's like not it's uncommon. not yeah it's, not, it's not this you know we have this this um i, I shouldn't say we but um 
there there is this prudishness in mm-hmm. America. And in some ways, I, I think it's it's actually gotten worse over the last 20, 30 years. Mm. Um, you know, you just you don't see there used to be in the United States, there used to be way more nudity um and people, you know, seeing each other naked, you know, in, in locker rooms and just hmm. you know, just different places. And now it's like Nope, can't have that. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that the Europeans understand, and there's a lot of things Europeans get wrong, but they don't get everything wrong. Yeah. And one of the things that they understand is that a naked person being at a beach or walking down a street or whatever isn't sexual. <laughs> nope. It is not going to harm someone to see a naked person. You may not like that person being naked. You may not appreciate their body or the, you know, how chiseled they are or not chiseled they yeah. are or whatever, right? <laughs> like how uh, beautiful the woman is or how ugly or fat, you know, she might be. They may have a preference about whether they wanted to see that person naked, but they don't really care. It doesn't really matter. But yet here, and it's really sad how many people in the liberty, the you know, purported liberty movement get all upset about this. And it does show mm-hmm. how the American culture has this puritanical streak that runs through it, including even the libertarian movement. Oh, yeah. When you post I posted a picture that Carlin Borshenko took at the Naked Olympics, which I did attend a portion of. But we had to we had to cut out pretty early. Um, it was a fun event that people had a good time at. It was all adults from like while I was there, at least there were a lot of people taking pictures. A lot of the mainstream media was there taking photographs of this particular event. And uh, there were maybe, you know, maybe a dozen, maybe 10 naked people. It wasn't many at all. (laughs) Were you there for it? No, I I wasn't there for that. But there just wasn't many people. I I just know there's not many people just on the campground. No, overall, there there weren't in general. But this was a time that there were more because it was the Olympics. But it's I guess what I'm just trying to say is that like it's this is so overblown. Yeah, it is. It is. I went to the uh, we went two days prior when we visited we went to the Body Freedom Village, which is where the Naked Olympics happened. And at that time, there were only two naked people at the Body Freedom Village. Yeah, right, okay. right. Like, I mean, this is this is exactly yeah. what I'm saying, right? Like, people are freaking out about like naked people running all over the campground, oh, and it's like it didn't it's, happen. I I, didn't I ran happen. into I ran into I think uh, Jeff in, a, in in his skirt, so he was really naked. Supposedly, he had like a, some sort of undies or something under that this year. I didn't even notice That's that. I just what, I just yeah. noticed. I mean, I guess I didn't look closely. You know, think as a game guy i would have but i didn't yeah Um, rumor has it i've heard a rumor that l stone was uh cavorting around the campground naked okay i saw that that's like but i don't that's supposedly the most offensive thing that that happened somebody else complained because one of the libertarians actually from the libertarian party complained that uh, aria had topless women on the free talk live site yes and that mm-hmm. was the other the only that was the other one that i was thinking of um was was as far as nudity and toplessness and, and, not even we're not talking about uh genitalia <laughs> right. here okay so i mean first of all no one was was behaving in a sexual manner the no. n- the naked olympics were literally people running and like shooting bows and arrows and yep. things like that right like it's at best silly yep it t- to see a bunch of naked dudes it's a silly thing to see. It's not a titillating. It's not a, I mean, you're a gay guy. Yeah. What is it? I mean, for you, seeing a bunch of average dudes it wasn't, naked. It wasn't worth my effort to walk over you didn't to where go. the Body Freedom Village was to see right. a couple of naked, and, and not even, maybe a couple more were, wasn't, weren't bad looking, but for the most part, not even good looking guys. Yeah. Like, I mean, this is not, this is not something anybody's going to, you know. You're not going to win an award for beauty at this this group. Yeah. yeah I, I'm yeah. trying to not use words and. 
appropriately here. A couple of them were radio, in pretty good shape. I'll yeah, give them right. Um, a couple, but, but we're talking about probably what? A couple out of the dozen? Yeah. I mean, but it's like they're not doing sexual things. Okay. No. So, like, there's nothing to turn someone on unless you believe that a naked person is inherently sexual. I mean, <laughs> then maybe you'd be turned on you know, by this, I, but it's not sexual. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, and. Just thinking about it a little bit, like, I'm not even sure I would care if it was sexual. I wouldn't either. like, who's being harmed? It's not like we're talking about non-consenting adults, you know, like, some sort of non-consensual situation. There was some sort of kink tent one year at uh, the Porcupine Freedom Festival, but that was enclosed, so it wasn't being shown uh, publicly. They were supposedly tying some woman up, and it was doing what they call a ropes show for Mm -hmm. people that are into that kind of thing. But I wouldn't care if that was being and done out. Uh, I don't openly. even understand like why people get so uptight about explaining this stuff to their kids. Right? I don't like, either. Like so, what? I what can't. happens if they saw some? You know, and and, and it it kind of it kind of like there is soft corn porn on like television in Europe, like there during is, yeah. the day. Like it. Why is it that Americans are so freaked out about? People it's, it's, it, that their kids might see I think it's something religious. sexual. Like I think it's like, a religious thing. It, it just yeah. They, it, they were raised to explain, believe that this is bad. Explain to them what was going on, and it's the thing between two adults. Yeah. It's it's something that's natural. It's every human just about does it. Um, it's yeah. not this thing that you have to be freaked out or concerned about. I don't, I, yeah, I don't just, understand it. It's uh, just this not, mental block I, it, that seems to be, you know, they get instilled. really irrational. Yeah. Mental yeah. block is the right, right term. They just, you cannot rationalize with these people. And so instead they make a big to do about it. They act like they're going to not attend the Porcupine Freedom Festival the next year. And I'm Good. fine. Please. <laughs> Good. Please you don't. You can't handle it. You can't handle people being free. It has nothing to do with what your kids are going to... The people at Body Freedom Village aren't doing it to titillate anyone or to corrupt the minors or whatever it is these conservative types believe. And these people go all the way to the wall with their insanity about Mm. what they think is really going on. Like this guy saying they wagged their units at him. No, that didn't happen. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I think people people don't always understand what it means, what, what freedom means when we're talking about like a libertarian right mm-hmm. it's it it's it's the non-aggression principle and it, it means that if nobody's if nobody's like physically hurting you effectively right yeah. without your consent at least um that's it like i mean that's 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 it you know and yeah. and that's not happening when there's two or you might dislike something somebody says but that doesn't give you the right to use violence against them should we also ban uh public displays of affection because that could be offensive, well, right? Like if I if I kiss my wife yeah, in, in public, um, and 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 it goes it goes, and you can take this to I want to say an extreme, but if you look at Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. you know you you don't have you, the women aren't allowed to walk around without a, a full, right, without a their husband on, and a full facial veil. Yeah, I don't I know mean, if that's Saudi Arabia, but one of I think is, Iran is it or something. I don't anyway, know if it's even Iran. It doesn't I don't, even, I don't even matter which country. The, it is. the point is that there are countries yeah. where women cannot Cover walk up. around. Yeah. you know. Without being fully covered, right. you know, their whole face. You'll go to, pri- go to prison. And have a man with them. Yeah. Or they'll be executed. Uh, one person described her discomfort. Remember, this is just somebody posting on the Discord server. Okay. One person described her discomfort with seeing a man with an erection watching children. Yeah. So I don't believe it. Didn't happen. I don't believe um, it at all. It, it, she. This is a woman who had admitted, I do believe, um, to having oh, never familiar s- with this? seen a uh, another man's... 
uh, Dantelia without well, she'd never seen another man other than genitalia? her husband's. I believe is is what <laughs> what was the case. Yeah, something something to that effect. Wait, wait, wait. She she'd said. never seen another man's genitalia in the erect state. Yeah, I guess I'm get. I don't know. You know, so that's a good question. I don't know been, if it was another this ever been, seen. We don't want to get too graphic, yeah, right? But, I, right? But this could have been a shower. Not a grower. Yeah, this could have been somebody who didn't. Well, without, right, right, because you know what I'm saying. Different men have different, you know, Lengths. when. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I guess when her husband was, it wasn't more than a typical man, or at least it wasn't. <laughs> I don't know something along that. I, she, I guess she had never seen porn wow. even. Um, wow. You know, so she didn't know, and she just assumed. So this is a li- this is a sheltered woman who grew up with some crazy religious restrictions something like that I she guess. married the first guy she ever went on a date with or whatever and that's her whole experience when it comes to sexuality that and so she just presumed that some naked guy who's well hung she got called she got called out on it and that yeah she wow. said something to that effect wow so some naked guy who's well hung just hanging around the park mm-hmm. like if you're at pork fest and you look in any general direction there's probably going to be somebody's kids running around like there's there's literally oh, yeah. hundreds. If there's two thousand people at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, and we figure you know half of them have kids, right? I mean you're looking at a few hundred people. There's probably more than half of them have kids. I've heard as many as four to six hundred kids attend this particular really? event. I I don't know if it's true. I've I've just heard that that's that I've seen that number been been thrown around before because some people have more than one kid. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So uh, anyway, they say here in this hit piece, I, you know what I, I will say, I think from a libertarian perspective for uh, the Porcupine Freedom Festival is very kid friendly. Um, yeah. As long as you're not just some sort of not, uppity. It's just not for conservatives. Right. Um, and, right. And, and, and basically, I, I think when libertarians say kid friendly, what they're referring to is that there's games and activities right. for kids. It's not about. You know, it's not. <laughs> it's not like the only thing happening is the naked right. Olympics. It's, you know, there are so many other things. Uh, you yeah. know, there's there's people who are into guns, and there's people who are into right. you know mesh networking and 3D printing stuff. And there's literally an entire curriculum and, for kids. Yeah, there's, there's kids. Te- you know, they're playing games and running around games. Yeah. And it's, there's a playground. There's yeah. a fo- there's a pool. You know. Yeah. There's it's just there's such a diverse variety of stuff that goes on at the pork fest. Um, Yeah, it's 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 not, uh, you know, you. But it's interesting that the people on the left, which is what this group is, this Granite State Matters is a leftist Mm -hmm. group. It's interesting that they are also authoritarian in this particular way, because you would think based on like stereotyping that people on the left might be more accepting to naked people like that. They might be more OK with that. But no, there's some people on the left who are as upset about there being naked people at the Porcupine Freedom Festival as some of the conservatives are just because these people are all raised in this puritanical yeah. religious cult uh, here in America. And it's just it's sad. Yeah, you know, it's like I I, I I say this again and again and again, but I I don't really see a huge difference between Republicans and and, and no. Democrats. There's more that they um, there's more they're similar on. They don't right wanna, they right. Don't I mean, it. even if you can say okay, well, the Democrats tend to be this way or the Republicans tend to be that way, it's it's almost indistinguishable. Like if you were to start like talking about yep. different subjects, it's like. Okay, let's have a game. It's 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 almost like we need a game. Can you guess whether it's a Republican or a Democrat that introduced like maybe a bill? Because mm, yeah, good luck. It, it would be it would be entertaining to see, you know, 
which which what what people got right and what people didn't get right so the wrap up here uh, is almost almost done with this uh, from Granite State Matters, she says another complained that some attendees seem to view the fair more as an opportunity. They're talking about Porkfest, more as an opportunity for licentiousness than a celebration of freedom. Well, why not both? <laughs> why can't people have, oh my God. you know, their drugs and their yeah. their nudity or whatever, and the people who want to go read the Bible can go read the Bible. I mean, that's how that's do, how Porkfest is. Do they not? You know, it's interesting, and I don't know if this article gets into it, but, like, do they just completely not care about the drugs? Like, is it just the nudity Oh, no, they complained they about the okay. drugs earlier. Oh, they did? Okay, mm-hmm. okay. I'm, yeah, they I, showed pictures of the drug tables. Okay, People okay. selling mushrooms. So, they, I mean, these are, <laughs> they just hate freedom. They do. Yeah. They really do. None of the posters appeared to notice that the issues they were discussing demonstrated why societies have rules and laws. Reasonable people disagree about what is reasonable, much less the unreasonable ones. Yet... The FSP message is appealing. Like hippies lured to San Francisco with flowers in their hair 50 years ago, innocence continue to heed its call. <laughs> New Hampshire residents should wake up and smell the porcupines. And that's the end of that story. <laughs> so uh, they, laugh. they do admit at the end that it is an appealing message, right? And that's one of the frustrations to these to these people. As much as they try to act like the Free State Project is this weird, obscure group that is so, they're turning everybody off, which is what they tried to act like throughout most of this article, they also admit that the message is appealing. And they did have to admit that Free Staters are getting elected. And so, like, they're really frustrated by what's going on here because they know that it isn't going to stop in the... New Hampshire, uh, in the NBC Boston series at NBCBoston.com slash freestate, at one point, one of the big opponents, Ms., her name is Zandra Hawkins. She's the person who runs a group called Granite State Progress, which I think is related to Granite State Matters. But anyway, Zandra, in her interview, I think it was her interview, actually, uh, when they did the the watch party with her, where she got to talk more, she expressed that she was hoping that later on that the Free State Project will just be this little foothill in the history of, uh, of New Hampshire <laughs> and it will be all forgotten about yeah, and the at this Free point, Staters will happening. have all gone away <laughs> and uh, we will have disappeared and we will have completely failed. But she really doesn't believe that, right? That's mm. not why she was there. That's not why she's doing the things she's doing. She doesn't believe that that's true. She knows the Free State Project is growing. She knows that there's more people coming here. She knows we're having more success. And that's what she wants to be true. But her actions belie the fact that she she really does believe that the Free State Project is, is here to stay. And it's becoming more and more influential. And articles like this are proof of it. You know, you know what's interesting? Um, I, I, it was, I found interesting this year. I felt like there was more people from outside the United States. I don't know. Did you did at you Port notice Fest? that? Yeah, or feel like I wasn't that? there was, long enough to really get a feel I, for it. I like every person. I feel like I talked to. I mean, I, obviously not everyone, but there were a couple so guys that came to our many. crypto meetup this week. That yeah, were from mm-hmm. yep, but one from Australia, one from. I'm Germany. not even talking about that. I'm mm-hmm. talking about just all the people I felt like I was talking to. Like a lot of the new faces, I guess, is hmm. what I'm trying to say. The people who had never been mm-hmm. were here from 
you know, I mean, I guess Germany would be an example. Um, yeah. But um, yeah. and they want to move those two but, guys. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and, and I thought that was interesting, mm-hmm. right? Because it's it's a it's it, we're talking about people who are going to have to jump through some pretty significant hoops. It's we're not hard just to do talking it. about people yeah. who you know are you know trying to move from one state to another. Yeah. Moving this from is one state serious. to another is a lot of work, but yeah. it's you know it's not over. It's not over. Yeah, you just rent a moving truck, right? And, you know, I move. mean, we're talking about people who have to, you know, you know, they have to get a job, they have to get a green card, yeah, they have to cross the mountain right. of paperwork in order right. to get in here. Right. It's crazy, and then they have to be coming from a country, you know, where there's not too many people immigrating from because I, yeah, I there's think all kinds of there's rules. like a, a certain percentage of people that are allowed, yep. and if that country has too many people coming, yeah, then, there's a quota. Then it, mm-hmm. yeah, they're not allowed. Yep. Um, but some countries, it's not going to be as bad. You know, it's not going to be as bad as far as immigration. Right. I mean, Germany is probably one of them. Um, most of probably Western Europe, I suspect. I don't know. Um, but I've places like Mexico, good luck. Mm-hmm. You're you're probably not getting in. Uh, just because of the yep. number of people who want to move, or South America, good luck. You're probably not getting in. Yeah, I wish them the best, and I hope that. You know, I hope they can find themselves a nice uh, man or woman that they really love here in in New Hampshire, and then get married, and that will probably help their uh, their procedure, as I understand it. It's a little easier if you if you're. Uh, if I don't you're know. I mean, I I was always under the impression that those rules were, you know, that allowed that to make it easier were no more or no, they got rid still of there. them. It's still it's, it's hard it's, though. It's, it's harder than much, it used to be. But it's not as um, it's not as easy or? as you might. Th- that some people might yeah. think okay like they're gonna check you out yeah like if you say you are married to somebody it can't be a sham right marriage. right you actually should be living with that person and in love with that person because they're uh-huh. gonna like ask you questions about the you know the person that you purportedly are in love with that you should be able to answer like they get really invasive uh with this this procedure oh i can i can only imagine i i'd yeah. probably end up failing because you'd be like what is the what is your anniversary what's Bob's date or food? like yeah what's gonna be like uh, uh double yeah. quarter pounder with uh-huh. cheese maybe and a medium fry <laughs> anyway uh speaking of invasive the uh you've got a short just a quickie uh, little news blip here about kraken the uh bitcoin exchange that is being targeted now apparently by the irs they want kraken to cough up some customer records yeah, um, so this is a story from Bloomberg. Uh, Kraken ordered to turn over its users' information to the IRS, and and this is kind of interesting because this isn't this is new, but mm-hmm. this is not the first time. Yeah, this uh, happened the, to Coinbase that the IRS has has gotten a hold of data, and it's both disturbing, but at the same time, probably more of a fear story in, in some sense uh, mm-hmm. to scare people away from cryptocurrency. Absolutely. Than, than it is like you have to, most people anyway, have to be super concerned about this. Well, Coinbase originally fought this in they court did. and they got the IRS to back down from requesting all of their customers information and only customers that had purchased more than $20,000 in crypto. Yeah. So in this, in this case, they also basically anybody who purchased, just twenty thousand dollars of cryptocurrency trading in any single year between 2016 and 2020 is their information is going to be handed over um, if they use Kraken. Now, um, this is why you know one of the reasons why I, I'm constantly saying don't use the avoid the exchanges. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, any place that you know asks for your personal information, you probably want to avoid. They've got and records. Yeah, it, it, it may not be the end of the world if you do use an exchange and you don't do a lot of you know purchasing on it, but. It's still better to avoid it than not because mm-hmm. it's if you do end up end up when you build as you build up like if you do end up getting to a point where you you do end up paying that twenty thousand dollars threshold and you. 
forget to report it or whatever, or you don't yeah, report it correctly. Yep. yep. Yeah. They're going to go, they're going to audit you. And right. who wants to be audited? Right. If you signed their uh, paperwork saying you swear under the penalty of perjury that you didn't do a thing that you actually did, well, guess what? That's going to be a felony charge mm. for you in that case. And that's what they're looking for here. Uh, so good idea, Chris. Try to avoid these centralized exchanges if at all possible. Uh, out of time for tonight. Join us online and join Chris at freedomdecrypted.com. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Realtor Mark Ward. Now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime. Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupineralestate.com